right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey! Yeah, a little extra pep in your step on that hey there. Woo. I wonder why. I wonder why. I, I Did anything know. happen today, Nick? Nick? I, honestly, nothing happened. I'm just having. A, I'm just in a good mood, just for no reason. <laughs> okay. Just the sun shining a little brighter today, even though it's actually it was storming, which is annoying. But uh, yeah, I'm no, I'm I'm having a great day. Oh well, then well, if I, you're already <laughs> having a great day, and you then nothing else, then this must make it even better. Hunter Dickinson. Wait, really? He announced today. He announced Dude, today. Wow, I had no idea. Well, technically, he announced last night that he's not going to Michigan. So now you know. Oh, it was yeah. Wow, well, I had morning, no idea. He made a video. Really? And on the video, okay, I'm, he I'm said interested. things. What did he say? He said he's going to Kansas. Wait, really? Wow. Yes, that's crazy, awesome. right? Incredible, crazy. Wow. I'm glad I that I got to break this. I didn't get any better. I didn't think my day could get any better than it just did. Wow, amazing. Uh, so Hunter Dickinson picks Kansas. That is the uh, talk of the town. That is the news of the day. It was obviously a uh, close-lipped recruiting thing. I mean, you, you would. See different sources, media people being like, oh, he's picking this school, he's picking that school, he's not picking this school, he's not picking that school. I think every school got eliminated and picked yes. by a bunch of different media people. Nobody knew. He, he kept this yeah. thing super tight. It was it was sealed up like Fort Knox. And in the end, he picks KU, Yep. which, I mean, from just a basketball fit is just, yeah, just so much fun. On paper, definitely the most uh, logical destination, right? Springville strikes again, too. He does, yep. Springville built different. Continues to be built different. Yep, it just it, it literally feels every time KU like has to have this guy to change them from being like a good team to like a great team in the spring. Yes. He lands him, and he did it again. Well, and think about it in his press conference, literally like almost two months ago at this point, Bill Self he says he said, "Hey, we need to elevate this program to another level. I need to go out and do some things to get this program to another level." And has he delivered or what? I mean, he's got he's got a f- over forty percent three point shooter, Nick Timberlake. A McDonald's All-American with Arturio Morris, if you set aside the off-the-court things. And now the most coveted player in the history of the transfer portal and maybe the biggest recruitment under Bill Self since Wiggins, second best biggest recruitment, I guess, ever in his entire career at KU, bam, gets Hunter Dickinson. If we I mean, go this back, guy is just on a tear. If we go back to the comments he made at his press conference when um, it was, you know, we hadn't, um, I guess, heard from him in a bit since uh, yeah. he went out with his health stuff. Um if we go back to that, yes. Remember what he said about it was like uh, he made. Well, first of all, he made the comment about, about how the twenty wow, and ten guy. Yeah, right? it'd be great if we could get a twenty and ten guy. Check mark. Which that was even before Dickinson was in the portal. No, I think I think, I think he was. He I think was he in the was portal. In the portal. Yeah, oh, okay. it was like okay. him and Graham Ek. And uh, so okay, check mark there. <laughs> the other thing he said was like tall, athletic wings who can shoot it. Hmm, Mackenzie Mbako mm, just visited. Maybe, yeah. He could accomplish everything he said in his quotes, and and I don't even know how much the quotes were like. I think he was almost just like spitballing, like ideally this is what we'd yeah, want. Yeah, and that's what yeah, every program yeah. would want, yeah. right? I mean, I mean, and they might do it. Yeah, he was definitely 
He was definitely just spitballing of like, yeah, these are, <laughs> these are the things we need. And then, boom, he makes it happen. So, uh, really incredible stuff. And I just, I mean, how can you doubt this guy? How can you doubt Bill Self when, when it seems like his back is against the wall? When it seems like other teams might finally be able to knock him off his throne? He punches back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so they were number nine on Bart Torvik coming in the day. And I know Bart Torvik's not the be-all, end-all. I, I, I still think, and, and we'll see, maybe uh, KU lands even a couple more players, right? We'll, we'll have to wait and see what, what this kind of has an impact on um, and where they go. I still feel like Duke will be the preseason number one for a lot of media people. I feel yeah. like Kansas will probably be number two at that well, point. So John Rothstein put out this <laughs> stupid, ridiculous BS top 45 after Kansas lands on Dickinson list. And he had KU at five. All right, that, that'll be the ridiculous. low end. That'll be the low end. But also, they still have a scholarship open, so like they're going to land somebody else, and they'll probably move up even yes. further. Well, I think just, pretty. What just really irked me about that is he put Michigan State at three. Like, dude, what are we? Like, well, I think pretty consensusly, once it's all said and done, they'll be top three. I, I think that's yes. a good way of putting it. Yes. But Bart Torvik, they're number one, and uh, right now, if you look at the ratings with Hunter Dickinson, they are not just the number one team in the country overall. They're the number one offense in the country. They are also tied third. On defense, if you end up having a top five offense and top five defense, this will be one of the best Kansas teams we have ever seen. Yes, at Bill Self. Yes. Well, and, and think about it this way: Let's say you get in. Didn't Baco. say the best, but one of. Let's say you get in Baco. So you're gonna have Dewan. You're gonna have El Marco slash Arturio. You're gonna have Timberlake. You're gonna have Mbako slash KJ, and you're gonna have Hunter Dickinson. I mean, where's the where where is the f- hole in that? In that lineup, in that rotation, I guess you could you could uh, nitpick, or as Nick likes me to say, pick nits about do they <laughs> no, still have a, do they do they still have enough shooting? Like I, I think they yeah they they should be solid enough. I think Dickinson yeah. helps with your shooting both in terms because he can shoot it and also because we've heard about his gravity. Mbako can shoot even yeah. though his numbers weren't great. Uh, obviously, I guess worst case would be like if Timberlake dips in his shooting. I guess that'd be maybe worst case for sure. Kansas. But I think having Dickinson just dude, on his own helps you. does it matter if you can't shoot threes, if you can just throw it to Dickinson every single possession? I mean, yes, it does matter. Like, I remember the Duke team that had Zion Williamson, like, they were outside the top 300 in shooting. <laughs> they, would, they would just bully you inside, but they ended up losing. I, I'm pretty sure there's a stat. Like, no team has won the title being ranked outside, like, the top 250 or something like that, three-point shooting. It matters a little. But Dickinson helps you with three-point shooting, too, because he's going to draw so many double teams inside. He's yes. a good passer. Everybody's level of three-point shooting on the team is going to go up a little tick. Yes. Because he's yes. going to get them more open. And obviously he can st- he can step out and shoot pretty well too. Oh yeah, for sure. 42% last year on almost yes. two attempts per game. Yes. That also, I mean, if we're just talking the fit here, I, I guess let's get into that now. Um, the fit itself, obviously he's going to come in, he's going to be your starter. Yep. Immediately you look at him and he answers those questions of who's going to lead this team in scoring, who's going to lead this team in rebounding. We don't have those questions anymore. That's him. Yep. He immediately is the go-to option, late in shot clocks, at the beginning of the offense, you run the offense through him. He's a good passer from the big position. Uh, the way they ran the offense through David McCormick, they're going to run the offense through Hunter Dickinson, but he is, and, and I don't mean this as a slight to Dave, because Dave was, you know, probably should have won Final Four MOP. Yeah. Hunter Dickinson is even better than Dave was. Yes. I'm trying to remember who I saw that said this. Uh, I don't remember, but somebody, I think it was a tweet or something, where somebody was like, you bring if if you're Bill Self and you're bringing Hunter Dixon on a visit, you sit him down and you show him film. I think it was of, Kevin Flaherty. It was, was it Flaherty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you sit him down and you show him film of David McCormick his junior year and say, this guy was barely playable last year and the, and the year before that. Okay, he really struggled. 
this the floor that you're starting from and and listen I'm, I'll repeat what you said you know this is not a knock against Dave or anything at all right as you said he should have been MOP in the final four but the floor that you are starting from if you're Hunter Dickinson at Kansas is so significantly higher than what Dave ever started with at KU you're going to get the ball two, three times a possession at least every you're going to be getting the ball every possession you're going to have 250 post ups if not more at KU like that's that's what you should have done and yeah that's a that's a great point I think it was Kevin actually. Now that you bring it up, and and yeah, I mean, I if if that's what Bill Self did, that that would have sold me. If I'm Hunter Dickinson, I mean, listen, you've got one of the best programs in the country, a Hall of Fame coach. You've got a Hall of Fame coach, not not only a Hall of Fame coach, but also a coach who has a long, distinguished track record of working with big men who go on to be successful. And if you're Hunter Dickinson and you want to a win at the highest level, win a national championship potentially. And B, continue your career to the NBA. Kansas gives you the best opportunity to do that. Yeah, I, I think those are all well said. Um, I'm looking now, and David McCormick ranked in the his last year 97th percentile. Yeah, I think David McCormick had like 220 post ups. His senior or his uh, it was his 209. Last year. 209. Okay. 209 of them. Um, and for what it's so worth, Dickinson's going to get at least that, if not more. Well, Hunter Dickinson. Uh, I, I guess I should say this. In, in post-up opportunities, David McCormick shot 46% from the floor. That was .91 points per possession, I believe, if I'm reading that right. Yeah, .91 points per possession. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, last year, shot 54% on post-ups. 1.08 points per possession. Yes. And so, he's going to be getting the ball minimum two yeah. or three times. And I thought Dave at times could be a good passer out of it. I thought Doak by the time he was a senior could be a good passer out of it, but Hunter Dickinson is better than uh, Hunter Dickinson is probably your best passing big since I guess Joel Embiid had good feel for it, so maybe you'd go back to him. Um let's see. Perry oh, by Ellis, the way, that guy, maybe that guy Joel Embiid, he yeah. just won an NBA MVP. Yeah. Well, I I don't want to put that on Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> um, Marcus Morris was a really good passer, but I mean, but yeah, this I is mean, one this, of the best passers this, of the Bill Self era. Now, starting the big point, position. your starting point for what you can achieve is so incredibly higher than any other big you've ever had at Kansas yeah. in the last five, six, seven years. Yeah, I mean, th- this raises the floor of Kansas. Yes, it raises the ceiling of Kansas. It is just a very huge get, and I think uh, in terms of the lineup, this helps you in a lot of ways because there yeah. were real questions like I I do think that if you didn't land Hunter Dickinson you just play into the athleticism you play into the athleticism of, of Ernest Duda yeah and I mean you for probably point, would have been fine and still been a top 10 team but you have questions about how that would have fit with playing KJ at the four yes right and now some of that is alleviated I mean it still is going to be imperative if KJ can add a little bit to a mid-range game or show more dribbling skills and off the ball skills if he's going to play the four but like now you can almost at times invert it on offense where KJ's the one posting up and Hunter Dickinson is spotting up for a three. Yes. On the occasional possession. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If KJ develops more more postgame, I think that is something you could definitely see of that because then you're going to be drawing your opponents big further away from the from the basket and opening things up for KJ or for driving opportunities. So it's a boost for KJ. Yes. It's a boost for Nick Timberlake. Certainly. I mean, you're going to set up a they they did this a ton with uh Doak and Isaiah Moss. They would have uh, they would basically isolate it to one side where Doak would be on the low block and they would have Isaiah Moss standing in that corner and then they'd have the other three players on the other side of the court. They'd get it to the big man down low and if you doubled him, 
then it would usually leave, I mean, the closest guy to the double was the guy who was in the corner. It yeah. would leave Isaiah Moss open. Um, they're going to do that with Nick Timberlake. He's going to be a recipient. It's going to be helpful for Dewan Harris. He's going to have somebody just easy to dump it down to, down low on the block, yeah. and play pick and pop with. Um, I mean, this this is just very helpful for a lot of players. Now, the players yes. that it's not helpful for, the, the current centers on the roster, we'll see what that means for them. Um, but also, it gives those backup centers more time to develop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. now you don't have to worry about, well, are they going to be the guy right away? Yeah, exactly. One? We kind of we kind of had this conversation year two. way back in, you know, late March, early April after the season with people just, I, I, I felt that there was some just assumption on the part of some people that Ernest Uday was going to take a huge step. And now there is not that pressure on him to take that huge step, right? If he does still need more time to kind of learn and develop a little bit more, there's no pressure on him to be, you know, an elite guy next season. Right, he can he can still probably. I mean, listen, he's still probably going to be getting fifteen to twenty minutes per game. I would think if you're in a Sude next season, so it's not like you're not going to play at all because you'll be coming in whenever whenever Dickinson heads to the bench. But it gives you it gives you a chance if you're Uday to really really build a solid foundation for you to springboard into your future. Whereas, again, there would have been a lot of pressure on him if if Dickinson didn't exist and if Kansas had opted to just go for more wing type players and more more shooting more guard-type players, then yes, there would have been a, a significant amount of pressure on Ernest Uday to, to take that step. Now that pressure is, is alleviated, and he can he can build that foundation on a little bit more sturdy ground to potentially take a, a big leap the year after. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of the year after, there's a chance Hunter Dickinson is back for that year after. Yes, I would not bank on it, but right. yes. I'm not, yeah, I'm not expecting it, but it's also... Because, like, dude, I'm, if he goes, if he averages twenty-one and eleven, and is national player of the year, and Kansas wins a national title, sure, go out on top. See ya. <laughs> but like last year, you went into the season before it even started, and you're like, "This is Jalen's last year." Even though you knew he could come back for another year, correct? Yes, you went into it that with that I assumption. Think, I don't think that's the way to approach the Dickinson situation. I, I think I view it as you view like, it as like value this one that, year, but yes, yes but not value quite. this one year because you might not get more, but. I think it's, I don't know, maybe it's a 50-50 proposition. Maybe it's yes. 60-40. Whereas with Jalen, it was probably like 95-5. You yes. know what I mean? Like yes. it would have taken something weird happening for him to come back. So um, I think from that perspective, that could be really exciting that you could have two years of this guy and at the very least just enjoy the one kind of year. Um, what do you think realistic the like the stats are going to look like for Hunter Dickinson? Well, let's see. Last year at Michigan, he was, what, 19-9? and nine, Yep. I think so. I would say at least that, right? I mean, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna dip at Kansas because he's going to be like we just talked about. He's going to be probably even more the focal point of the offense at Kansas than he was at Michigan, if we're being honest. So I would say at least nineteen, nineteen and a half, probably twenty. And with rebounding, maybe his rebounding numbers don't go up, but I don't think they're going to drop. So twenty and nine. Hmm. Hmm. I, so there have been three players in Bill Self history yep. that have averaged Frank, twenty or more. Jalen and Wayne uh, Simeon. Wayne Simeon, yeah. And uh, I guess Wayne Simeon would be the closest among those three to compare to. De- now Simeon, Simeon was still kind of like a power forward, did a lot in like the mid post and, and stuff like that. There are some similarities there you can have with with Hunter Dickinson, but it still is different. Um, it, it's it's funny because I mean history would tell you 
If you were to say with any KU player, will they average 20 points per game? Probably not. Probably say no. Just history would say that. Three in whatever, 20-something years. But, I mean, he's going he is going to be the number one scorer on yeah. this team, right? It's not like they're – I mean, is there another really dynamic scorer? I mean, maybe no. if you add Mbako, maybe – uh, Dickinson averages 18 and Mbako averages, you know, 12 or 13 right. or whatever instead. But, like, I mean, there, I, don't, I just don't see a world where Dickinson averages less than 18. I agree. I, I think I would take that bet that he would get 20, though, even though yeah. it would be against history. I mean, you're just talking about such a skilled, talented big man with yes. Bill Self. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's a recipe a guy for that, success. A guy that Bill Self was going to want to get the ball to every time uh, down the court. And, and, again, it's not like you have that dynamic – it's not like you have a, a really dynamic – second score, right? Yeah. I, I think that's part of it. You know, um, if, and you, it, if you had a guy where it was like, okay, Dickinson averages 18 and you have another guy who averages like 15, then yeah, he might not get to 20, but I think it's pretty reasonable that he probably gets to 20. Sure. I mean, think okay, think about it this way. So like Thomas Robinson, for instance, that was a team that maybe didn't have as many scoring options around him, right? You had Tyshawn Taylor, you had uh, Elijah Johnson could give you double digits per game. Jeff Withey could get you eight, nine, ten points per game. Travis Relaford, kind of same thing. But yeah. there wasn't. That's kind of like this team. It's like, well, Dewan could get you eight, nine, ten points. Like, yeah, Dewan's going to get you maybe eleven points per right. game. But KJ Adams, like, Timberlake is going to get like what? Well, it just depends how much he plays. Seven, eight points per game. Yeah, probably, I mean, if he plays um, twenty minutes a game, if he plays thirty, then maybe he will get like fourteen a game. But um, you don't have a ton of those other options. And yeah. Thomas Robinson on that team, he. He averaged 17.7 points per game. He did it by just, like, brute force, tenacity, want to, uh, just overpowering guys and, like, the angles and duck-ins that Bill Self would create. And then he had that, that good little, like, spin move and he could throw down lobs and dunks and stuff. Hunter Dickinson's a more skilled big man than than Thomas Robinson was. And I, T-Rob for that team was a power forward and Dickinson's a center and stuff. But, like... I, I don't think it, it is crazy to expect 20 and 10, which yes. sounds unreasonable to like set that <laughs> bar on someone. But like, honestly, I, I really do think that could be the case. Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, let's, let's look at it the other way. What's the worst he could do? <laughs> 17 and a half and eight. Yeah. 17 and a half. And I, I think the, I mean, the is that the unquote, lowest he could go? The quote unquote worst he could go. Obviously, you know, injury, you hope that never happens yeah. and, and that would be something. But like outside of that, the only thing that I think would be preventing the stats would be what if like Ernest Uday legit does take a jump, and he is so good that it's it's like a UConn situation yeah. where it's like, well, Sonogo's really good, but we only play him 25, 26 minutes a game because we, we're playing Klingon 15 minutes because we have to get him on the court. Yeah. And it's like, well, we have to get Uday 15 minutes, 13 minutes, where Dickinson's only playing in the high 20s for minutes. And then, yeah, it's it's 17 and 8 or something like that. So, yeah, I yeah. think that is kind of the floor. Okay, yeah. But yeah. That's a really good floor to have. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's probably the best floor you could have. Yeah, 100%. And, and you hope, too, that this – does I mean in talking going back to the development side of it for some of the younger centers that maybe they can learn from yes. Hunter Dickinson that they can yes. learn kind of the post move in that part of the game that they they are missing that that is the reason why you go after a guy like this yes absolutely no hundred percent I think this is a this you know if you're one of those guys if you're a Zuby or Ernest I, I think you can look at it from two ways you can look at it as man you know now I'm probably not going to play nearly as much as I might have otherwise. Or, you know, you can say, hey, you know what? This is a great opportunity to to learn with Hunter Dickinson and Bill Self, uh, a guy who's a fantastic big and a coach who is fantastic with with coaching bigs, right? So it just kind of depends on how you want to look at it, right? Like if, if you're Ernest Rizubi and you believe in yourself and you believe in your talent, which they should, and they, they feel that they want to be playing right away, then, yeah, you could maybe understand if they're looking at other options. But also, you know, if, if they want to continue to build their skills – 
I mean, it's hard to say that Kansas wouldn't be the best place to do that, even if, yeah, maybe you don't get to play as much this year. But I don't know. Those are always tough decisions. Yeah, and obviously KU still um, was going after other guys, recruiting other guys hard. Yeah. Like, they're going after McKenzie but, and Bachman But, you know, the now situation and- is – it's May fourth, so those so yeah, so we have a week basically to decide. Yeah, the deadline I think it's uh, May eleventh, but yeah, you know it, it's funny because they they have been recruiting other people and they got our Terry Morris and Nick Timberlake and stuff. But at the end of the day, they, they were very eggs in the basket. Yes. of Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, and so I mean, it was it was no secret that this Hunter Dickinson was the guy that Kansas was going after, and they did get him. Yes, and so now that's all that matters. You don't have to worry about the backup situations. You don't have to worry about the backup scenarios and all that stuff. Um, obviously, you do have to overcome some of the stuff we talked about yesterday. Like, you have to make sure everybody in the locker room is cool and okay with all this. Yeah. I think there was a tweet posted yesterday about KJ Adams talking about adding people. Like, so it sounds like uh, he's content with that. But you have to be comfortable that everybody in the locker room is both comfortable with, hey, you might be making this amount of money and you haven't played a, a second of KU basketball, and I'm not making that. You have to make sure that everybody gets along with him. You have to make sure that team chemistry. Um, yeah, team chemistry. Yeah. You have to make sure that you know the podcast isn't causing any issues. You have to make sure that <laughs> there's no rift in the locker room because of the pomp and circumstance around this whole recruitment. And if you can do those things, which you expect to, Bill Self is the best coach in college basketball. He gets paid a lot of money to do that type of stuff, right? Yes. So you yes. expect that to happen. But that is something that is, while you know it's it's 95% good and it's why you overall take Hunter Dickinson no matter what, you do have to make sure that stuff works along. Yes. I mean, from an on-court perspective, I don't think there's really any negatives to adding him. But, yeah, I mean, maybe some of the stuff that you alluded to, if that kind of bubbles up a little bit, you could have some stuff, right? Which, like, I think we talked about it earlier in the week. You know, if the teams with the best talent always won, or if if you have the best talent, those teams always won, then that's all that would matter, right? There's other factors always that are involved. There's team chemistry. There's coaching. There's other things that, that are important to a team having success. But, yeah, from an on-court perspective, no question, it's all positive. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, the only, I guess, on-court question would be, well, how is it going to affect the defense? Uh, how is it going to affect their pick-and-roll defense and stuff like that? Uh, Bill Self figured it out with David McCormick. Yep. He's figured it out with plenty of other players. He'll figure it out with Hunter Dickinson, who is a good one-on-one defender in the post. He's, he can be a good rim protector, probably actually a better rim protector than than Dave was when you just look at some of the block numbers. So I think they're going to be just fine. Uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll have uh, more Hunter Dickinson talk throughout the show. We'll uh, also need to get to Kyle Cuff transferring out. A statement was released about uh, Arterio Morris, which um, <laughs> I think it's funny now looking back because you talk about his commitment almost was like a news dump time. And now I just realized that they had the release statement like literally right before Hunter Dickinson committed so that yes. it kind of gets shoveled away. But nonetheless, we'll uh, talk about that later in the show. Jesse Newell will join us at 340. We have Into the Transfer Portal at 405. Two episodes of RCST Trivia coming a little bit after that. With Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Plenty more Hunter Dickinson talk throughout the uh, show today. But join now. Talk a little NFL draft. Kansas City Chiefs, they, they made a new signing yesterday by Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. I guess we'll start right there. The newest news. Donovan Smith signed last night with the Chiefs. One-year, $9 million deal. And I find it very interesting because Smith has predominantly played as a left tackle in his time with Tampa Bay. And Juwan Taylor, who you gave the big money to from Jacksonville, has been a right tackle. But obviously, when you look at the money, when you look at the long-term commitment, you would think that those two guys would be reversed. What do you kind of envision 
the tackle spot looking like for the Chiefs? And I, I guess, do you think it's an open competition and they're going to try out different things? Or do you think they ideally still want it to be Juwan Taylor at left tackle? Yeah, it's a tough thing to figure out right now, especially when you know it's the offseason and we won't get to talk to these guys here for a little while now. I can't tell you, Brett Veach, on Monday when we spoke to him, he basically came out and said Juwan Taylor would be with the ones at the left tackle, and then you got Wanye Morris, who they just drafted in the third round out of Oklahoma at right tackle, Lucas Niang, who was a former starter there, who sat out most of the last season with a knee injury there, and then Darian Kennard, who uh, they were they drafted last year in the fifth round, you know, kind of competing for that spot as well. So that was the plan as of Monday, but I, I, you know, we talk about the nine million dollar deal. It says up to nine million dollars. So I would, I, I would assume this is going to be an incentive laden deal. I would think that potentially we'll get, you know, word on that here in the next day or two on what exactly that is. But to me, this just seems like depth. And when he's talking about that, or when he was talking about that on Monday, you know, saying Juwan Taylor's one at left tackle, he really said nobody else. And so I think this just gives the Chiefs some flexibility and allows them to not have to go down a, a terrible road in case. Juwan Taylor isn't comfortable there because if he wasn't comfortable there, what's your backup plan? And your backup plan then would be, okay, Wanye played some left tackle in college, but didn't last year. That's not a really good option. I mean, Prince Tega Winogo is a swing tackle, but he didn't really play for you at all last year. I mean, I think this is a more than anything, a depth move for the chiefs. And I would be very stunned if this is base salary is, is around nine million. I would assume it's going to be a lot lower than that. This is more of a depth move. And also the Chiefs sort of looking at the market. Uh, there were a lot of tackles out there, including um, Donovan Smith, the guy that they got, and still available uh, at this point in the offseason. So I think it's a depth move more than anything. We'll let the Chiefs correct me if, if it's something different and they want to keep uh, Jawan Taylor at, at right tackle and then put uh, Dominic at Smith at, at left tackle. But at this moment, I would say it's just competition and, and kind of raising the floor of that room just in case all things go wrong at the left tackle position. We had uh, Josh Briscoe on the show yesterday, and and I, we asked him the question, what one word would he use to describe the draft class? He said useful. Nick and I talked about it on Monday, and the word we used was fine to describe this draft class. Like It wasn't, it wasn't last year's draft class that was being renowned even at the time, right after everybody was saying the Chiefs won the draft and or the Chiefs had a great draft, and then obviously in the aftermath, it obviously ended up being a great draft class as well. I didn't think it was like a horrible draft or anything like that, which is why we kind of just settled on it was fine uh what word would you describe to or use to describe the uh, chiefs 2023 draft class yeah it's tough i want to like squeeze words together here um, <laughs> you, I'll, I'll give you a phrase <laughs> you know give me a lot I, I mean i think a couple come to mind i would i would say kind of in your guys's realm i'd say like don't love um i would also say unnecessarily risky um you know if we just look at this big picture Derek, i mean big picture the chiefs are really set up in this draft to do whatever they wanted you know, and to like, if you didn't think you had a bunch of spots for guys on this year's team because you drafted so well last year, which is a valid thing to say, you could just continue to trade back or trade resources to next year and continue to stockpile and put yourself in a great position next year. But instead, the Chiefs kind of did something a little strange. They just sort of landed on they wanted to get three players in the second, third and fourth round and come hell or high water, they were going to get them. And that's what you saw in these trade-ups. And I, I I think if they were patient, I mean, I would be stunned if they didn't get two of those players at the original position they had in their draft pick without using an additional resource to go up and trade to go get those guys. So I, I, I've kind of likened it this week to, it seemed to me like from their company, it's it's like if you went to your company, you got a two-day trip and you got $200, per, $200 for the trip to spend on food. And the Chiefs, 
They were thinking, okay, we want to go and spend 160 bucks to go get that receiver in the first round. We want to use all these resources and trade up and get Zay Flowers or Quentin Johnson and really make a splash. Well, okay, the 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 cafe, the diner wants $180. And you're like, ah, okay, well, I, I don't really want to pay that. So let's go get Felix and let's spend, you know, 20 bucks, a nice meal at a nice place. Well, the Chiefs then they're $180 instead of like the second day, like, okay, maybe we'll invest some of it, save it for next year, put it in my wallet, save it for later. They're like, okay, we're getting a lobster. We're getting the exact <laughs> thing we want off the menu we want, and we are living it up on this second day. That's sort of how it felt like in the second through fourth rounds of the draft. The Chiefs, it's just like they wanted Rishi Rice. They had him on the top of the board. They really liked him. They weren't sure how the rest of the NFL felt, but they just got impatient and, and then felt like they couldn't wait and that they had no other options. And it's just a pivot. Maybe, maybe the word I would use is pivot because – Last year, you said it, Derek, they did so well by just waiting for value to fall to them. You know, Trent McDuffie, they didn't think they'd be available there. So they traded up and got him at a spot nobody thought he'd be at. George Karloff, just most people thought he's a first-round pick. They took him at the end of the first round. Sky Moore, some thought, were gonna, was going to be a first-round pick. Got him in the second round. You know, they just continued to do that throughout the draft. Like you said, everybody lauded their draft afterwards. And how did it turn out? It was amazing. I mean, they were right. They did the right thing. So it really was a pivot from what I think they did the previous year. And I just think maybe a little bit of impatience plus a little bit of just over-reliance on their board and their people. And I asked Brad Veach this earlier this week. I said, why did you trade up in all those positions? And he said, look, we put a lot of time into our board. We put a lot of resources. We trust our guys. We trust our board. So we're going to go up and get our guys. And so I'm not going to tell you it's not going to work out. The Chiefs could have evaluated these players better than the rest of the NFL. It's just over time, if you have overconfidence in this, usually it doesn't turn out well for you. So uh, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm kind of with you. I, I think they did well to, to, to target those positions they did that are going to get them a lot of surplus value, but this is the circuitous route they took to get there, I think it raised a lot of eyebrows and taking some players that might have been available without a trade. I think that's something that uh, we definitely are going to take note of and track, obviously, as we go on here for future seasons, as we see the, how these guys pan out. Yeah, and to me, the, the Rashi Rice one has a lot of different storylines that can go into it. The idea that, you know, you I, I get it, like some of the different sites and stuff, maybe that's not the be-all, end-all. All it takes is one team who valued them the same way, and then you had to take them there. Um, but you see him in like the 90s or something on, on different sites that, that maybe he could have been a third-round pick. And you end up trading up. You, you take him uh, in kind of the mid-second round there. And um, I, I just think that's going to be maybe the most interesting one for me to follow. Not just because, I mean, the receiver position in general is a sexier position. And you have Patrick Mahomes, so it just makes it more intriguing there. But um, the second round receivers that Brett Veach has now taken, McCole Hardman, useful player, but probably not worth the second round pick that that you gave out when you look at some of the other second rounders like the Terry McLaurins and DK Metcalfs that went around him. Uh, Sky Moore was a second round pick last year. Still time to obviously turn into a, a very useful, good player for, for the Chiefs. But year one, maybe a little underwhelming to what uh, many Chiefs fans would have thought. And we'll see what Rashi Rice does. If, if it doesn't work out with Sky Moore and Rashi Rice... Uh, that might be a bit of an indictment on those second-round receivers and, and the top guys that, that Brett Veach has taken there. But let's also give some context here, Derek, because I think that's really important. I think a lot of people considered McCole Hardman kind of a bust, if you will, even though I think he performed fine as a second-round value. But they considered him that because why? The Chiefs traded up for him, right? Mm -hmm. What did the Chiefs do with Sky Moore? They traded down for him, and they let a receiver <laughs> fall to them. And so you're bringing up the point that I would make, which is, okay, they laser-focused on Rasheed Rice. So Rasheed Rice needs to work out because they laser-focused on Rasheed Rice. At that point in the draft, 
the receivers still available were Jalen Hyatt, who a lot some people had as a first round pick, Marvin Mims, um, and then Cedric Tillman. So that's my point. Is like last year's Chiefs would have looked at that situation and said, "Hey, we really like Rasheed Rice, but if Rasheed Rice gets taken, man, Jalen Hyatt falling to this point, like he's not a perfect fit, but like man." That, that's really good. That's really good for that spot. That's what they did a year ago. They said, hey, these receivers are falling. We kind of like a lot of these guys trade back. And boy, Sky Moore fell. Great. Take him. And so that's how it worked out. And they got an additional resource. This year, they leapfrogged those three guys uh, and still went and got their guy, Rishi Rice, when all, I mean, unless something crazy happened, it sure seemed like he was going to be there available for them at their pick coming up in the second round. So like I said, it's just, it's a pivot. And it doesn't mean the Chiefs are wrong. And if Rasheed Rice works out, then all's well that ends well. Then we will we will give Brett Beach his roses. You know what I mean? Like, if he is the second-best receiver in this draft and somehow they got him for only just barely trading up, then great. Um, but, again, over time, the, the bottom line is, with all the studies we do, with all that we look at, there's just not many secrets in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Like, And there's a point where you read your board, but you also sort of have to read the room as well. And that's where the Chiefs kind of – it, it was a very interesting thing they did second round, third round, fourth round, where they were trading up to get these guys that were not like the consensus, what people thought would be the next pick. They trade up to get guys that a lot of boards had going a round or two later. So they really trust in themselves. That seems to me to have a lot of confidence in yourself, which is you want, which is what you want. What you don't want is overconfidence. And uh, again, there's at least a history there where she straight up for uh, Breland Speaks or, or, you know, I mean, guys like, you know, guys like that where, uh, or, uh, yeah, it's just it hasn't always worked out for the Chiefs. Again, like you said, McCall Hardman hasn't always worked out when they trade up. And so will this be the uh, exception to that? It might be. If it is, then the Chiefs get the get uh, obviously all the praise for that. But it is a risky pick at this point. And it's a risky pick because the Chiefs made it a risky pick. Well, and, and that was a good reminder about them trading down for Sky Moore because I, I forgot that this happened. When they traded down, there after they traded down, there ended up being a run on receivers. I think uh, Tyquan Thornton went, like, number 50. George Pickens went 52. Alec Pierce went 53. Then the Chiefs got Sky Moore at 54. Now, for all we know, Sky Moore was their favorite receiver of that group. Maybe it was somebody else. Maybe it was a George Pickens. I, I don't know. Um, but does that make you wonder how that happened last year if that was – possible motivation for them to trade up this year like what if one of their guys that they did want was one of those guys and they traded down and didn't get him so this year they were like no this year we're not doing that we're getting our guy yeah i, I derek i think you could absolutely be onto something because this seems like a move potentially that was made because something else happened you know what i mean like because at some point the chiefs got snipped <laughs> you know for lack of a better turn by another team that they thought you know, they thought a certain guy was going to be there and they weren't there. Maybe that's a situation. Maybe it's another one. But yeah, I mean, gun shy. You know, the Chiefs were gun shy to let a guy potentially try to fall eight more spots when he, by all indications, he was going to be there. And I mean, it's still tough to know because like you still have to do the math on that. Like you're talking Sky Moore plus another pick. And uh, maybe you can do the research real quick here to figure out who that other pick was for the Chiefs. But like you have to take that all into account. Like you get Sky Moore and that other pick for whoever, whatever potential player. Maybe, maybe it's that pick, maybe it's another one, but maybe you wanted uh, one of those guys earlier on. And I mean, look how it turned out. Like it was Sky Moore way further behind any of those guys. I mean, I, I wouldn't think so. So again, you're right though. I mean, this could be something very human where it's like the Chiefs were burned by this in the past and they were not going to be burned by it again. I guess the counterexample would just simply be that, look, the, the, the draft turned out pretty well for the Chiefs last year by doing what they did. I thought they'd follow that plan, 
and they obviously didn't. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, is there uh, a, an immediate player that you look at from this year's draft class that uh, you feel like is going to have the best role or, or the biggest role on the team in, in week one outside of, I feel like Felix and Udike Uzama would be the easy answer there. Uh, so I won't let you pick him, but outside of him, who do you think would maybe have the biggest role in week one? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of what they said and what they tried to do here, I think they are trusting. I think I looked at their roster and they figured they wanted to get four players that could contribute right away um, to this team. And those are the top four draft picks. And so uh, I would put all those guys in the discussion. I mean, obviously, Rasheed Rice, we've heard talk about him, how good he is after the catch and uh, also kind of filling that Juju plus role, if you will, maybe probably. Just a tiny, tiny bit faster than Juju, but still having a contested catch, being able to find zones, that sort of thing. Um, you know, be be a zone beater for the offense. Uh, Wanya Morris. I mean, they needed competition at the right tackle spot. And again, we'll see this plays out. Now there's a lot of moving parts uh, since they brought in Donovan Smith, but I still would expect him to come in right away. I mean, we saw the Chiefs a couple years ago. They took Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith in the draft, and game one they started Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. You know, right after that. So I'm not I'm not writing him off as a potential starter because. Uh, the Chiefs obviously traded up to get him, and uh, he has a lot of the characteristics they seem to like when it comes to tackle. Uh, and then Shamari Connor, uh, obviously, is going to be a special teams contributor from day one. They loved him, but can he kind of fill in a dime sort of safety role? Can he fit in at cornerback or nickel, be a part of that secondary, which seems pretty crowded on the outside looking in? Uh, I think all those top four, I think those are guys that they want to contribute from day one to try to keep this thing going and and try to be competitive from the game one next season. So uh, if you listen to any of those four, I'd agree with you. The rest of them might be a little bit of projects, but those top four guys, I think they're contributing or they're wanting to contribute right away. And that's part of the reason they gave the draft capital up to trade up and get those guys and get them in the positions that they did. By the way, the the Chiefs got pick 158 for moving down from uh, pick 50 to pick 54 to get Sky Moore. Then they used pick 158 and traded up with another pick to get Darian Kennard, I believe. Okay. So it's in there. But uh, I don't know. Uh, Joshua Williams kind of went in that range at 135. So I don't know. It maybe makes uh, sense to do a little more digging on that. Um, all right. I, I want to finish you off with a little kiss, Mary kill here. Um, so the Chiefs have a lot of, I think, fun destinations for fans to go to this year with their visiting games, uh, their road games. Um, so just from your perspective, your possible travels, outside of the game itself, just what you're looking forward to do uh, on the travels. Kiss, Mary kill, going to the game in Germany, Las Vegas, and New York when they're playing the Jets. Oh, man. Oh, marry me some Germany. That uh, ho Hopefully I get the assignment here. I'm not sure how much they're going to split up the crew because of the cost, but uh, definitely want to go there. I mean, uh, you know, traveling to Europe is is great. And, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully I'm on the, the flight over there to be able to make that one. Uh, I'll definitely kiss Vegas. I mean, it's one of my favorite places in the world for uh, reasons you would probably imagine when it comes to <laughs> poker and sports betting and the whole scenery and everything when it comes to downtown and and the, the biggest lights. So, I mean, it's it's hard to beat those two places. Uh, I, I'll kill New York. I mean, it's not really uh, – uh, this is like a um, – I don't know. What, what scene in the movie would it be where the guy is crying while he's killing something? You know what I mean? Like, he's not that <laughs> happy about it. Like, I'm not that happy about killing New York here. I can't but, tell uh, you the movie, but I've seen the meme enough. It's – it's uh, is it Wesley Snipes where he's got, like, the not like Wesley Snipes. He's got, yeah, he's got the revolver. Yeah. He's kind of crying. And he's, yeah, I mean, I think that's – this is kind of like taking old yellow out back. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? This is, this is, I'm doing this with no 
with no happiness here, but uh, New York doesn't compare to those other two to me uh, at this point. So, yeah, we'll, we'll kill New York, but uh, still a good place to go to. Awesome. Well, Jesse, I appreciate the time as always, man. And uh, anything you want to plug you have coming out or uh, is out right now with the Kansas City Star? Nope. Yep. KCU.com. You guys can check it out and then had the draft grades. So uh, we talked a lot about it here, but I uh, gave the Chiefs a solid B, but go about 2000 words in depth into why that is and kind of some of the big picture things they did right. And then some of the discussions we had, some of the things where potentially they could have gotten more value. So uh, be sure to check that out if you haven't yet. All right. That was Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. Again, check out all his work at KansasCity.com. And uh, you can check out all that stuff that he just mentioned with the draft. Obviously, the Donovan Smith stuff coming last night, too. So uh, check that out with Jesse. All right, we're going to uh, get back into the KU basketball action. We'll head into the transfer portal at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. More on Hunter Dickinson at 5 o'clock, along with uh, the news on Kyle Cuff transferring out, the statement released about Arterio Morris. We've also got two RCST trivia matchups coming today in about 30 minutes from right now. And then we'll have two more coming at you tomorrow. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. One hour down, two to go. We'll be back after this. Four o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Two RCST trivia matchups coming at you after we go into the transfer portal right now, so let's do it. Into the transfer portal we go. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to the average basketball fan. It is a dimension as large as Wilt and as timeless as Perry Ellis. It is the middle ground between staying and leaving, between wins and losses, and it lies between the pit of recruiting and entrance to the NBA. This is the dimension of new schools. It is an area which we call the transfer portal. Well, obviously, I guess we could just start here. KU landed a big one out of the transfer portal. Hunter Dickinson joining the uh, program. So uh, that obviously changes some things up. Kansas now with one open scholarship. Kyle Cuff leaving the program. And so um, they still have opportunities to do stuff with. Yep. But that obviously was the big one. And and we'll talk more about Hunter Dickinson in the 5 o'clock hour. But without a doubt, no matter what happens now in the portal and no matter what happened before it, the offseason was a success. Exactly, yeah. I was about to say that. I think we've talked about it before where it was basically to the point where you get Hunter Dickinson and it was a success. Nothing else really matters that much. But if you if you want to go even further with that logic, Kansas also added shooting with Nick Timberlake. That's a success as well. So it's not just getting Dickinson, but it's everything else that Bill Self has already done. And it sounds like he ain't done yet. No, that is for sure. I so there's other options. We ain't done yet. You were that that yes. uh, Marcus Peters clip? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so there there are three players that we have on the reported interest tier, but I think now that Hunter Dickinson has picked KU, that probably is going to fall off. Who knows? Maybe, would, yeah. maybe not. Maybe not, yeah. Okay, so Grant Nelson's the first one. He is a transfer from North Dakota State, put up really good numbers, like 17-9. and nine. He's actually testing the draft process right now. He is one where now that you have Grant or Hunter Dickinson, like, that's not happening yes we talked about him earlier in the week as grant nelson definitely seemed like he was the hunter dickinson light option (laughs) or the hunter dickinson plan b option whatever you want to call it uh, from north dakota state uh and ku actually saw him last year they played against him when when ku played north dakota state i think he had what 11 and 9 against ku so not a great game uh but he was really strong beyond that outside of the ku game last season and probably would have been a decent addition uh, if you 
because we, we you know we, we went back and forth about this. Like the discussion about Hunter Dickinson was, if you don't get him, are you looking for another elite big man, or are you just going to load up on wings? He would have been a guy that maybe you would have considered, but of course, adding Hunter Dickinson now solves all that solves all those all those issues. So yeah, Grant Nelson's probably a guy you're not going to look at that much, I guess, unless you have a situation with like Uday and. And edge of four, then maybe you circle back on him. But, but see, I think that would be a situation where it's also reciprocal, where let's say even Ernest Uday and Zuby Edge for left, Kansas could be like, oh, you want to back up Hunter Dickinson? He's like, no, I'd rather go somewhere else and be the starter. <laughs> it you could know? be. Yes, it could be. So I, I don't think that one is realistic anymore. True. Um, yeah. Nathan McLeod, I don't know if that's the proper way to pronounce it. McLeod? Now that it could just be, be one. Wouldn't it just be McLeod? Could it be? I mean, it's spelled with an E. You which can spell it. That's like know. the Scottish Scottish M-C-L-E-O-D. way. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced. I don't know. E O E D. McLeod. Just McLeod. McLeod. I whatever think it th- is. I think. I think you're overthinking it. Uh, well, whatever. He uh, started his career at Florida State, and I mean, this kid was a a very high level recruit. He was ranked. Um, well, he was a JUCO recruit. Okay, so he he was the sixth overall JUCO commit. Um, he hasn't really done much at Florida State, but he's seven foot four, two hundred and fifty five oh. pounds. Then um, you could really be like UConn with Dickinson and then a seven foot four guy as his backup. Yeah, I guess that's true. I think he's a little less mobile than than Klingon. <laughs> uh, maybe a little less uh, than, than Klingon. Uh, yeah, potential there. Um, but he's a guy who averaged like three points per game uh, in his career. He's um, played forty six games in two years at Florida State. Uh, let's see. Last season he averaged two point seven rebounds. Per game, 3.8 points per game for his career. He's at 4.1 points per game in obviously like limited minutes. Uh, shot pretty well from the field for his career, 60% in two years of first I would State. hope so. He's 7-4. <laughs> so this is a guy that he's transferring. I mean, if you're looking at being someone who was kind of a rotational player at Florida State who wasn't very good last season, if you're going to come to Kansas, it would have to be with the idea that, yeah, I'm not going to be the starter, which yeah. that could work out. I mean, if, if you're saying, okay, let's say one of Zuby or Ernest leaves and you're like, we need another body in there. And you want to bring this guy in as, as another body? Like I, I think that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it uh, over the course of last season, where you went into it and you were like, "Wow, look at all this depth we have at the five position with there are two days: Ubi Edgefor, Cam Martin, Zach Clements." Well, then Cam Martin's hurt, Zach Clements gets hurt, Zuby gets hurt. Then all of a sudden, you have some games where, with just Ernest and KJ, you run into a lot of problems. So, yeah, I mean, you'd like to have at at least. Two, probably three, like capable guys you could come in, uh, in in situations like that. So, yeah, I mean, if if Zubia Ernest were to were to depart, then I think maybe Kansas could be on the market for somebody like this, somebody who understands that they would be coming in to be a secondary guy. Which, like, does a in that situation, does like a Musa Cisse do anything for you there as like a secondary guy? I, I guess, but I, I view Mr. Would he, Cisse. Would he do that? I, I think he wants to. I mean, he was just a starter at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Like, he probably wants to go somewhere where he's a starter. Yeah. With McLeod, because that wasn't already happening yes. for him, you can probably convince him to be like, yeah, you'd, you'd be in like the same role, but you're yeah. going to be a, a more winning team. It's going to be more fun for you. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be in a team that doesn't suck like Florida State. <laughs> <laughs> and then was, the, was that uh, too harsh? Sorry. Well, uh, but okay. So if, if you bring like on. Weren't they like 10 and 20, though, last year? Yeah, Florida they were State? in like the 200s in yeah. Ken Palm. Um, if you bring on McLeod, you you expect him to probably be behind Uday or Zuby if either one stays. Again, the only yes. reason you bring him on is if one guy. leaves. He'd be the third yeah. guy. Yeah. But it's important to have that guy in case of uh, foul trouble or injury or whatever. The other one, and this one I think kind of lies somewhere between Grant Nelson and McLeod, is Aziz Banda Ogo. Like, you could convince me he wants to go somewhere at a higher level to be a starter. You could also convince me maybe he is fine being a backup, just moving up a higher level. Because 
He had really good production at Utah Valley, 11.5 points per game, 11 po- or 10.4 rebounds per game, which was 11th in the entire country, shot 60% from the floor. He'll be working on his uh, fourth year of college basketball, but I think he took a medical redshirt during the COVID year, so he'll have two years left to play. Seven feet tall from Senegal and did had some really good performances in the postseason for them. Uh, I think they were in the NIT, and they made it all the way to the uh, semifinals in the NIT. He had a 12.6 rebound, six block game against Southern Utah, who Kansas played. He had 8 points, 11 rebounds against New Mexico. He had 12.7 rebounds against Colorado, 15 points, 12 rebounds, four blocks against Cincinnati, and then 14 points, 16 rebounds, two steals and a block in their semifinal loss to uh, UAB. Dude, that's like my worst nightmare. Utah Valley playing Southern Utah. (laughs) You just have no idea which one's which. I just don't know who's who. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, So, I mean, Banda Ogo, that's another guy where if he comes in, you're probably bringing him on. I mean, you are bringing him on for depth behind Hunter Dickinson. Is he okay with that? Is he not? Was he being approached? Was there reported interest as a backup option to Hunter Dickinson, or is it as a backup to Hunter Dickinson? You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. So that that one would certainly be interesting, one to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, maybe. And then we go to the hmm column. This is my favorite column. Every hmm. week. Uh, Jordan Dingle. Great last name. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. We didn't even we didn't even talk about that in the open. Do you think KU fans are excited about oh, the fact yeah. that they go from Grady Dick to Hunter Dickinson? I think it would be kind of Hunter Dickinson to wear the number four uniform so that we could see <laughs> the fans who have Grady Dick jerseys just do the thing where they that add little, like the duct tape and it just says Inson. Inson. Yeah. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, but yeah, Jordan Dingle is not someone that I really expect to go to KU, but he's in the whom column because like, okay, he was at Penn last year. He was the Ivy League player of the year. Six foot three guard, um, averaged 23 points per game last year, 21 the year before. Somewhere Seth Davis's ears just perked up. <laughs> like Penn? 46% from the floor, 36% from three on like eight attempts per game. So high volumes, mid 80s for free throw percentage. I, I don't think this is one that KU will go after. A, I think there's other schools that maybe have uh, a better edge on him. B, I think they're probably content with their guards at this point and their combo yeah. guards. But, I mean, yeah. if you are looking for another scorer, especially another guy who can score around Hunter Dickinson, why not? Kick the tires. Yeah, but I, I it does feel like for Kansas at this point, it's going to be either wings or backup big men for them in the portal, right? I mean, their guard situation, I would say, is is pretty set for the mm-hmm. most part, right? I mean, you're going to be rolling out Dewan. El Marco slash Arturio plus Timberlake as like a two or three type player. That's a that's a pretty good stable right there of guys that right and it and then it gets to the point where if you bring in somebody else, there's gonna be somebody who's gonna be probably not getting as much playing time, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, how about this one in the home column? Connor Vanover. Seven foot five center from Oral Roberts. Oh. I Wait, think- doesn't this guy stink though? Uh, twelve and a half, twelve point seven points, seven point two rebounds oh, okay. per game. He had a Bad NCAA tournament game, okay. I want to say, against Duke. Okay. Yeah, against Duke, he shot 25%. He had 6.6 rebounds. He's like a three-point shooter, despite being 7-5, though. 32% from three this past year, which went down a good amount because of the Duke game. Um, 81% <laughs> on free throws. Uh, 3.2 blocks per game. Obviously, okay. not someone you'd come in and start, but if he's comfortable being a backup, do you kick the tires mm, on it? Hmm? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I would guess he wants to be a starter, though. My Yeah, probably. So this is probably someone that doesn't. My opinion is that like if one of Uday or Zuby start, the the other big you bring in should be someone who's comfortable being behind even Uday. Yes, you know. 100% now if agree. both Uday and Zuby left, or then you that, would need somebody would be, who could be back. I, I would say what it was is like if I'm Bill Self, I'd be like, listen, if you come in, you're going to be the third guy with the potential 
to right. earn your way up. Right. You can compete your way above yes. if, if you can beat but you're out Ernest be, This is where you're going to sure. start. Right. Like, the day one, when you when you step on campus, this is where you're going to be at. Yeah. And then the last one in the hum column is the son of Dennis Rodman. That would be DJ Rodman. <laughs> um, the third superhero, Batman, Superman, and Rodman. Uh, he is a six foot six senior, and he will be in his fifth year of college basketball. He's coming from uh, Washington State, where last year he averaged 9.6 points per game, six rebounds. He shot 41% from the floor, but that's because most of his shots came from three-point range. He shot 38% on threes last season. So um, my only question is, can KU afford to bring on uh, that level of personality connected to, to Dennis Rodman? I mean, we don't. I don't know about his personality specifically. <laughs> Certainly, Dennis Rodman would be a uh, interesting character to have around the program. But I mean, this guy shoots threes well. Thirty-eight percent from three yep. on four point three attempts per and game. He, you said he's six-six, so six-six. You can play him at the three. three. You could yep. even have play him as a backup four behind yep. like KJ at that point. Yeah. This is among all the hums we've had. This is the one this where I'm the most, most intrigued hmm by of the hmms. Yes, I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> right now, if you bring on McKenzie and Baco, then it then, probably eliminates yeah, no. the need for this. But let's yeah. say Mbako does pick a different school. To me, this becomes a more interesting character with uh, DJ Rodman. Yes. Okay, elsewhere that column. Uh, this is a pretty big one for Kansas State. They didn't get Max Aspis. They did get Tyler Perry from North Texas. Yes. So they went out and they and they went into the future. They found Marquise Noel. He grew. He grown two inches. <laughs> and they said, "Come back. You're coming with us." That's what they got. Okay. Tyler Except Perry's he's not really as good, good of a passer. So yes. actually, kind of worse. But yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is curious because the thing about Noel that made him good was the fact that he was also like a, an elite Insane passer, passer yeah. and could get great assists. Perry doesn't have that. That's not really in his in his wheelhouse. He's yeah. more of just a straight scorer type. Uh, and uh, yeah, he is also only 5'11", so they are maintaining their, their literal and physical little brother status, I would say. And uh, yeah, great, great, great for K State. Mm -hmm. They go from being the sixth best team in the conference to being like the fifth best team in the conference. No, I, I do think Tyler Perry has real All Big Twelve potential. I mean, really good scorer, scores it off the dribble, scores it on spot ups. Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end shot. of the day, like I think a couple they weeks ago, someone like this. Tyler Perry would have been a guy that you would have, if you were a KU fan, sure. you would have said, "Yeah, come over to KU." Yeah. So yeah, the synergy numbers love his defense. Like really good defender on a really good defensive team in North Texas. I think he'll be a really productive player for uh, the Big Twelve in Kansas and State. I will say he averaged like 17 points per game last year for yeah, North Texas. They were the slowest North team Tech, in the country. Yes, that's what I was about to say. North Texas was the slowest yeah. team, literally the slowest team, slower than St. Mary's, slower than Virginia, the slowest team in the entire country. Yeah. I can, and he I averaged can, 17 points on that team. I mean, we'll see if uh, Keontae Johnson, if he ends up coming back or, or staying in the draft for Kansas State. If Keontae Johnson doesn't come back, I could see Perry putting up 20 points per game, yeah. partially because he's good, but also partially because I don't know what other options yeah, they I mean, have. I don't like, even know who else is on Nick their Juan team. Nick Tomlin's a good player, but I, I don't see him being like a 15-point-per-game scorer kind no. of guy. Yeah, no. Um, so, I mean, if they get Johnson back, though, with Tyler Perry, I think I would probably put them a – like – Kansas and Houston are probably I mean, like, in tier one for me. From a scoring standpoint, Perry's probably a little bit better than than Noel, but you lose so much with the assist yeah. passing. No, I like, agree. I don't know. I, I don't, don't think they'd be as an, good as they were. Yeah, this past I don't year. think that's. I don't know if you could say that that's an upgrade. No, I, I agree. I don't. I don't think it's an upgrade. But I think like it even though some, Noel was five six, like I don't think that's it an upgrade. keeps them very competitive. You know, even though even though Noel was like five three, I don't <laughs> think that's an upgrade. You know, even though he was like. 410. I don't I just don't think that's an upgrade. I think that I would have uh Kansas and Houston in tier one in the Big Twelve. Tier two might be like West Virginia, 
and then we'll wait and see what happens with Keontae like Johnson, Texas. and we'll wait and see what happens with like Texas with yeah. Tyrese Hunter and uh, Dylan Mitchell and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's how I kind of feel right now. Maybe I'm forgetting someone. Um, and then uh, I, I guess the last update here is just in regards to Jalen Tyson. I guess he's probably going to like Cal at this point, but his brother Jordan plays football. He was actually on the visit with Jalen to KU. I guess he just visited Oklahoma. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening there. Yep. But so he had, he had 22 catches for Colorado yeah. for like 470 yards. So he averaged like over 20 yards per catch, I think, with like four or five touchdowns uh, for Colorado. So, you, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, at this point for KU football, it's more like, listen, you need to be a real game-breaking type player unless you're a defensive end if Kansas is going to is gonna have you come on. So I, I don't know. And, it, yeah, it does sound like Jalen wants to go be somewhere with his brother. And so – Maybe that's where the Cal connection comes in. Obviously, of course, with the Texas Tech stuff as well, the Cal. So, yeah, it does seem like uh, KU has cooled on Jalen on the basketball side. And with that being said, it doesn't seem like they will be going after Jordan Tyson that heavily either. Yes. And I think that, you know, ideally, because right now KU football is at a point where they're kind of landlocked with scholarships. Yeah. and Which that's a, that's a spot that they're not used to being in. Right, right. I in think the past, have... it's like, Anybody who wants to come to KU, <laughs> yeah, fill up our scholarships. I think they might have one open scholarship, but they're they're trying to use that on a defensive line. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so you, unless you are like an elite, right, like game breaking type player, they're going to be using it on D line, probably. Right, and then with KU basketball, it all like Jalen Tyson would be a perfect fit, especially now that you have Hunter Dickinson to have his shooting and wing stuff. But it seems like the either the relationships at Cal and or maybe the role. Like if you go to Cal, if you're Jalen Tyson. You're, you're probably you're the leading scorer. You're yes, the guy, you're right? The guy. You're averaging 15 plus a game. You come to Kansas, especially you're now they the, have Hunter Dickinson. You're, you're the, the role player. Third guy, the fourth guy. Maybe. I mean, it's going to mostly be Dewan Harris and Hunter Dickinson with the ball in their hand, <laughs> and then depending on what, where you fit in that pecking order with Nick Timberlake and KJ and, Adams and Marco and Jackson, Morris and El Marco Jackson, <laughs> yeah. you could be anywhere from the third guy to like the seventh guy, <laughs> where you're averaging somewhere between seven points to 12 points per game. So it'd be a good fit, but it, it sounds like that. Uh, might be a pipe dream at this point for KU, but yeah. I guess all in on McKenzie and Baco, but this is yeah, into exactly. the transfer like, portal. At this so. point, Mbako, you'd probably take over Tyson anyways. For sure. All right, well, uh, that'll do it for Into the Transfer Portal. We have two RCST trivia matchups to get to coming up next, and then uh, we'll talk more Hunter Dickinson a little bit after that. Uh, Kyle Cuff transferring out, Arteria Morris, the release, all that stuff coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk as we get to our first of two trivia matchups today here on RCST Trivia and Rock Chalk Sports Talk. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River Rap Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Homefield Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. We uh, have two matchups today, the first of which is our 5-12 matchup between Samuel Davis, who has gone 2-3 and three on trivia all-time, 11-3 on questions, went 4-1 and one last year on questions, but unfortunately lost in the first round against Dalton Kane, who is making his trivia debut as a 12 seed. Our second matchup will be between the 6 seed Zach McKellops and the 11 seed G.J. Melia, and both of these will take place in the River Rat Print and Skate region. We've already concluded our Johnny's Tavern region yesterday for the first round. This will conclude the River Rat region in uh, the first round, and then tomorrow we'll finish up with our last matchup in the Pella Windows and Doors in 23rd Street Brewery region. Um, one of our title sponsors 
of course, is the River at Print and Skate region. River at Print and Skate has screen printing and a skate shop. They have embroidery and promotional products also available with art and logo creation. Plus, they are KU licensed. They have skateboards, they have longboards, they have paddle boards and safety gear. They have a large selection of shoes and apparel from well-known skate brands. And they can help you out with custom apparel like our trivia t-shirts and our trivia hats that we're going to be giving away. Uh, you can give them a follow on Instagram at river underscore rat underscore print for the print shop and at river rat skate shop for the skate side of things or give them a call at 785-371-1660. So a 512, that's always a trendy upset pick with the 12 moving on. The winner will get a different Sam. If we can get Samuel Davis to move on, it will be against the other Sam with Sam Oliver in the uh, second round. Again, this is the bottom left region in the River at Print and Skate region. With that being said, let's get into the matchup. So this is a 5-12 matchup, or at least supposed to be. 5-seed Samuel Davis, 12-seed Dalton Kane, and Sam's been a mainstay in this event. Uh, hope everything's okay because we have a no-show. This is our third no-show of the uh, trivia tournament for this year, and that means our 12-seed Dalton Kane, who is making his trivia debut, is making his trivia first win. Uh, so I guess, Dalton, let's let's get to introduce you. You'll be part of the second round now next week, as long as you can answer a really easy question, right? Um, so tell me about your KU fandom, where you're from, and, and what got you into the Jayhawks. Yeah, I'm from Overland Park, uh, and I grew up a KU fan. Right? I got a lot of family that went to KU, uh, so I just grew up loving the game. My older brother was a huge fan, and so that kind of really helped me get into it a lot. Uh, I've just been a huge fan my whole life. Do you have a, a favorite all-time KU basketball player? Uh, I wear number 11 because of Jock Vaughn. He was a little bit before my time, but that's kind of like a family thing. Uh, but I was a huge Frank Mason fan. I, he was probably the best player that I can remember playing. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. Um, so you, you decided to join Trivia this year for the first time. And uh, what went into that decision for you? Uh, you know, it was just the first time I'd heard about it, and I was a big fan, and so I'd, I thought I'd fare well in it. Uh, I've been listening a lot, and I'm getting nervous now that I know there's other people that are just as big of fans as me. Yeah, that's true. It's it's uh, definitely a difficult competition, everything. And you work at the radio stations with us, uh, you know, running board on different events and doing some promotional work and stuff with 105.9 Kiss and, and all sorts of stuff that, that you're doing around here. Do you feel like that'll give you any extra edge at all through uh, the tournament as you move on? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, nobody has given me any tips or pointers <laughs> or anything, so I'm, I'm going into it just as blind as everybody else. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay, well, uh, this is going to be easy for you today. All you have to do is answer one really easy question. Uh, so um, I guess we'll uh, just get into it here. What is the last name of this former Jayhawk, Devon D.? Uh, the last name starts with D? Yes. Oh, man. I told you the easy round was going to make me the yeah. nervous. Ten seconds. Devon D. David? Out. No, the correct answer is Devon Dotson. So Dotson. Unfortunately, oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> unfortunately, Man. incorrect there, but the good news for you is that you have no opponent, so we're just going to stay in the really easy round. Okay, Dalton, another chance to get your 12-5 upset here. What is the last name of this former Jayhawk? Udoka A. 
Azabuki. Azabuki is correct, and just like that, you get a victory. Well, that has to make you feel even better about your opponent no-showing there, because, I mean, we don't know. Would you, would you have, I don't know if you had predetermined, were, were you going to go first or second? Because you would have had that choice. Uh, I probably would have gone second. Uh, hopefully, I would have gone second. I don't know what made me blank on uh, Devon there. Uh, I've met him. I've, I've hung out with him a couple times, so I, I was very surprised. Well, I mean, Devon Dotson, for whatever reason, he's been the wrong answer on a couple people this year. I, I wonder if, do you think he is he is a little bit, the name doesn't ring as much right now because they didn't get the NCAA tournament? That's definitely what I'm thinking. Just We had the best shot to win that tournament that year, and so I think maybe if that played out, definitely would have gone down in my head a little easier. Well, that, that also has to make you feel better. We always talk about this with, with first-time newcomers for trivia, that once you get on the clock, once you get asked the question, you know, you, you never know what's going to go through your mind as opposed to when you're listening on the radio. It might be easier to just kind of toss that out. Um, so I guess you, you were able to feel that and get over it, which this will be a good uh, practice round, I guess, for you. But you but it does count as a win. It counts all the same in the books. Yeah, I'm excited to move on. 12 over 5 is a pretty common thing. So when I saw that was my seed in the tournament, I got pretty excited. Well, you're going to be taking on a four seed in the second round. It is another Sam. It is Sam Oliver, who uh, did really well in the first round, has made a great eight before. Uh, do you want to trash talk at all, or are you going to play it humble? No, I'm terrified. I, I'm gonna, I need to study a lot more. So uh, good luck to him, and I'm excited for it. All right. Well, Dalton, we appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next week, man. All right. Thank you. Well, that was certainly interesting. Um, that's our third no-show of the year, and, and it stinks because for our um, – I, I get it. Life comes up like it sucks. I just please like let me know. We can we can always try to reschedule and and stuff comes up like Sam's been a, a consistent part of this and like I said I hope everything's okay and that nothing bad happened of of why he couldn't get in contact. Uh, the thing that stinks about the no shows the most though is that we have we have a list of alternates, but that's based on the idea of like if somebody the day before or the morning of is like hey I'm sorry man I can't make it or I can't do this anymore or whatever it is. And then the alternates come in. So, like, for instance, we did have an alternate come in as a 16, but then they no-showed as well. Um, so, like, we do have alternates, which, like, one of them is is Tate Voback, who's been, like, a, a big mainstay in this trivia tournament. But when we get to the Zoom and we pull it up, you know, when we're recording it at the exact time and then one of the people doesn't show up and then our, our way of doing it is we give the person five minutes from when the Zoom was scheduled to start to at least get in contact with us, to let us know what's going on, to let us know they will be there late. They have 10 minutes to make it to the matchup, unless I have not heard from them in the first five minutes from after when it was scheduled. If I haven't heard from them in those first five minutes, then we just call it after the five minutes. Um, but if I can hear from you, if you let me know three minutes after it was supposed to start, like, hey, sorry, running late, got out of a meeting late, I'll be there in five minutes or, or whatever then I'll give them up to 10 minutes to make it. And if it's anything longer, I'll ask the opponent like, hey, are you comfortable waiting 15 minutes or whatever it is? Um, so unfortunately, because it's so quick turnaround, I can't reach out to the alternates there. So I'm sorry. If you're an alternate and you're like, wait, we've had a couple people drop out. Why haven't I been called? It's because it literally was a last minute thing. And it wasn't something where it was like somebody dropped out the morning of or the night before. And I could reach out and be like, hey, do you want to fill in for this spot? So just kind of unfortunate there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've never had that happen before either where somebody drops out and then we had the uh, first one missed there for Dalton, but fortunately he was able to hit the uh, second one. So Dalton will be moving on. He'll be taking on Sam Oliver in a 4-12 matchup in the second round in the River Rat Print and Skate region. 
Once again, RCST Trivia, our title sponsors, Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, and River Rat Print and Skate. Did you know in 2023, Johnny's Tavern is celebrating its 10th or its 70th year anniversary? And that's good news for you because they'll be having all sorts of specials at your local Johnny's throughout the year. Stay tuned for more details about a 70th anniversary celebration at our original location in North Lawrence where you can be part of the neighborhood porch. Think about that. That is 70 years of KU basketball history at the Johnny's in North Lawrence going back to 1953 so like when BH Bourne was getting it going uh had it in to win Wilt Chamberlain you think Wilt Chamberlain went to the original Johnny's when it was within like the first five years I bet you he probably did uh so check it out of course there are now 13 location of Johnny's from Topeka to the newest store in Raymore Missouri you can eat the nuke Lelouch pizza or the buffalo chicken dip or Wilson wings anything in between and you know with the weather heating up an ice cold beer sounds good so how about trying the blue collar lager a beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. All right, we have one more matchup of trivia today. It is uh, between the six seed Zach's, Zach McKellops and the 11 seed GJ Amelia finishing out the River Rat print and skate region. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST Trivia on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app, or on the Best of RCST podcast. We'll be back after this break in the action. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk and RCST Trivia. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We are brought to you for trivia by Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, River Rat Print and Skate, Mini Jerseys, Jayhawk Trophy, Homefield Apparel, Sporting KC2, McDonald's, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. Check out one of our title sponsors, 23rd Street Brewery. A great spot to watch all the action from the NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs going on right now. Uh, once we get to the fall, we'll have KU football. You can watch high school football there. We'll have NFL Sundays there. You'll have KU basketball there. You'll be able to watch Hunter Dickinson there at the 23rd Street Brewery. Check out the patio. Perfect for the heating up weather. You can bring your dog to the outdoor patio. Enjoy lunch with your dog. Sneak a few french fries down there. They've got great service, great beer, absolute classics on the menu like the Fitzgerald Reuben, the Bill Self Mac and Cheese. You know the menu. I've, I I tend to be a creature of habit, and I I, I tend to get the, the same thing. But I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, 23rd Street Brewery is one of those places where I have tried a, a bunch of different things, and this is a little more rare for me. And like everything I've gotten is great. And I was like listing off in my head, like all the things I've gotten. I've, I've gotten maybe 10 or more of the different menu items there. All right, first of all, I want to circle back. Yes. Do you, you are a dog owner. Do you feed yeah. your dog human food? Um, Occasionally. I do it way less than probably a lot of other people do. I try not okay. to because it's not like ultra healthy for them. Yeah. But like I'll give them peanut butter. Um, Dude, Every my- so often we'll, we'll give our dog like a nice treat if, if like, I don't know. We'll, we'll like go to a place that we're getting ice cream and we'll get her like a pup cup or something like there that. Go, there you go. Yeah. My grandpa had a dog and that dog ate more human food than dog food. <laughs> you would like give it all kinds of stuff. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like there have been times where it's like, oh, I'm grilling chicken and like as I'm grabbing the chicken with the tongs to the plate, it drops and then it's like, okay, well, here, just have it. Right. <laughs> stuff like that. But uh, no, I, I try not to overdo it. That's for sure. Okay. But anyway, okay. you can bring your dog to the pup patio. Check them out. 23rd Street Brewery in Lawrence. So our uh, second matchup today is the 6th seed, Zach McKellops, and the 11th seed, G.J. Amelia. Zach uh, has a couple trivia advancements all time. G.J. looking for his first first-round victory. Uh, hopefully we can get out of the really easy round like we were unable to do last matchup for obvious reasons. Yes, yes. You know, I was thinking, I wonder how much the news of today might be mm. on the minds of people <laughs> 
and they might be a little bit shit. You right? Like everybody's thinking about Hunter Dickinson. Everything. Everybody's everybody's got Hunter Dickinson on the mind. If you're a KU fan, you've probably had a lot of thoughts about Hunter Dickinson about how that's going to work and everything. What if that distracts? Is that a distraction? Is that a distraction? Should we just ask? Should the first question we ask just be like, who committed to KU who committed today? Committed to KU today. What seven foot two big man from Michigan committed <laughs> to Kansas earlier today? See, that would be one that would be very dependent on like news savvy. Right, right. If it's somebody, like, it's possible that you could just be not plugged into right. social media. Like a younger not, person would that they'd be right up their alley. But yeah. if we were talking to somebody who is you know older and doesn't have Twitter, doesn't go on Twitter all the time sure. or something like that, or um, doesn't check their phone a ton, or they more so know the how news when they get, get home at how work. How do those people get their news? Uh, people probably text them about like it, the call ultimate, them about it. Is that they like watch the TV. Zoomer question? Uh, like how do you how do how do old people get news? The 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 message boards like with Jayhawk Slant and and twenty four seven Sports like maybe through there. Um, that <laughs> they get it through the newspaper. That maybe they get it through us. True. They listen Very to us. True. Nick. No, that's a good point. I hadn't even considered that. Mm-hmm. No, of course they listen to us. <laughs> Idiot. Gosh. So yeah, maybe that that would be a fun question. Um, but yeah, that's that's interesting because I, obviously I'm not going to ask those questions. We already have the questions on there. But should I put that <laughs> on there for like a later? Contest for a really easy question? Maybe. Or, well, like, I mean, we by next have, week. I yeah, don't know. we're not going to have very many easy questions. No, we have really easies next week, and then that's it. Yeah, because we stop then we, those. And then the we go to 16. easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because listen, once you've made it to the season sixteen, you have proven at that point yes. at least that you should be able to get every really easy question we could throw at you. Correct. You don't need. So the at that really point, easies. we just go straight to the easies. Yes, because if you can't get a really easy in the season sixteen. Either we have done something horribly wrong, or I don't know what I, I don't know. Luke, you got there. No <laughs> offense. Um, but okay, so uh, the winner of this is going to take on Isaac Henderson. This will complete the River Rat Print uh, first round. Yeah. So I guess uh, after this one ends, we'll kind of evaluate that uh, region. But okay. let's just go ahead and uh, get into the matchup here. So this is a six eleven matchup in the River at Print and Skate region. Winner of this will take on Isaac Henderson. The six seed is Zach McKellops. He has gone two and two in trivia, nine and three in trivia questions. GJ Amelia looking for his first first round advancement. He's zero and two so far, but he's done well on questions. Seven and three despite being zero and two. I think last year you went to the hard or the really hard round before you lost out. Zach, let's start with you here. You've got a beat Missouri uh, hoodie on. So uh, I, I guess take me back. What is your KU fandom? I moved to Lawrence for school in 96 and just fell in love. It was an awesome team that year, 96-97, and grew to hate all things Missouri. (laughs) I love it. Well, uh, you've gone 2-2 in trivia so far. You have two first-round advancements. You've gotten close, but you haven't gotten over the hump yet to the sizzling 16. Is that what the goal is this year? Yeah, that's the goal. I went out early, early last year, so I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't study at all. Frankly, I forgot I was out at lunch and got the call. And- <laughs> well, GJ, meanwhile, you're an 11 seed here. You're looking for your first first round win. Um, but like I said, you, you've gone seven and three on questions, which typically that's going to be good enough to get you a win or two along the way here. Uh, what is your goal in your third edition of trivia? Um, well, last I think last year, last year. I maybe only got like one question right because I think it was the second question that stumped me and I still remember which one it was. It was who was the second leading scorer on uh, the 2012 KU team and I 
stupidly said Elijah Johnson, and it was obviously Tyshawn Taylor. So you can't use that question this this time around. Okay, yeah, I just looked back. I remembered you having a long one. It was not. You're right. Last year you went one and one. Brian Rainey was your four seed. You were the 13, and you lost in in the easy round. But the year before that means that you entered, or the first time. I forget if that was our year one or year two of our event. You went six and two on questions, and you still lost in the first round. So that and was. I a remember little bit. the question that got me out of that way. What was that one? <laughs> I'm sh- yeah, that one was uh, who was the second leading scorer in the national championship game uh, in 1988, and I, you know, I yeah, I couldn't think of the the correct answer, which was Milt Newton. So I guessed and said Kevin Pritchard, and I'm pretty sure Kevin Pritchard was the third leading scorer on that. Same with Elijah Johnson, third leading scorer. That, that's funny <laughs> so. that it keeps being the the second and third leading scorer one. So we'll see mm-hmm. if uh, which way it works out this time. All right, let's get into the matchup here. I'm looking forward to this one. GJ, you are the lower seed, so you have the option. Do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Let's go second. I went I went first last time, and I don't think it worked out. All right, pressure starts on you then, Zach. We head to the really easy round of questions. It's the 6-11 matchup in the River at Prince Skate region. Winner takes on the three-seed Isaac Henderson. Zach, for you, what is the name of KU's starting point guard from this last season who led Kansas with 6.2 assists per game? Dewan Harris. Yep, Dewan Harris was the starting point guard, led the team in assists per game. Okay, GJ, your first question. What's the name of KU's starting four-man who led Kansas with 8.3 rebounds per game this past season? Um, KJ Adams. The key word there was the starting. Yep. And I was already thinking to this year's team where KJ might play more four. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yep. Yep. That's the that's the one where you feel like the the timer you you, you take more time on that one and you would have got to it so you clearly knew the answer there but unfortunately yes Jalen Wilson was the correct answer uh, so Zach congratulations man you're moving on yeah I feel bad man sorry dude it, you know what it's Hunter Dickinson today nothing matters dude it's it's the top of my head right now I'm already like game planning like oh okay so is Ernest gonna come off the bench Hunter's gonna start who uh, KJ is gonna be the the foreman and yeah, we're not even done. We still got guys coming in. Oh God, uh, GJ, I, well, I have a uh, future. Yeah, RCST trivia 2024. I have the future question that you're probably going to get. Hunter Dickinson led Kansas in points per game. Who was second on the team? <laughs> oh God, uh, I, I, you know, my my best guess. I don't know. I don't know who's gonna lead the. I don't know who's gonna be the second leading scorer on the team. So we'll find out. But uh, yeah, I should have. I I should have asked a clarifying question of this year's team or next year's team. Four man. <laughs> oh well. Well, Zach, you you get Isaac in round two, who was our inaugural champion. He was upended in the second round though last year. So do you have any? I don't know. You want to trash talk at all? You want to? Switch out on your sweatshirt, Missouri to Isaac. There, uh, what are your thoughts headed into round two? I'm just gonna just gonna keep my head down and try to barrel through. All right, well, guys, we appreciate the time and uh, Zach. Good luck next week, GJ. Can't wait to see you next year. Excited for it. Good luck, Zach. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so uh, we didn't make it out of the really wow. easy. Wow, I was not expecting that to happen. That's I was not, not expecting that to happen. Uh, this is this is, and we've had this situation happen a couple times where. 
it's very obvious that the individual has a wide breadth of KU knowledge. They know KU stuff, and they just have a slip-up, right? And in the NCAA tournament, if you have a slip-up, you don't get a mulligan. You know, it's not a best of seven. You don't get another chance. Sorry. That's just how it goes. On to the next one. Yeah. But that is tough. Yeah, it is tough. Because um, DJ definitely has a... He definitely knew he that definitely answer. He definitely knew too. that answer. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely knows he just his, overthought it. his KU stuff. And I think you probably could argue that both of those could have been easy as opposed to really easy, but he still knew yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. The, the key word there was starting four, man, right? And, and you also think back, and if you're just out of other context, KJ was not the best rebounder. Like, that was a... Yeah, fault that if you watch KU, yeah, which he did, but yeah, yeah, that was just one he overthought for sure. Um, so we don't really know a ton about Zach this year. He is ten and three all time on trivia questions, so we do have a little bit more of a track record on him. But what's his what's his camp's mentality going to be going into that second round matchup? Is he just is he just going to be coasting in like, dude, Isaac's going to miss really easy. I'm I'm good. Or is he going to you know be locked in? What do you think? Yeah, is he underprepared now? You know. Should I should I chirp Isaac some more here so that he has more motivation? That is your prerogative. I will well, let you I do whatever thinking, you like, want. What if I just what if I just, you know, talk talk trash on every single contestant and they all <laughs> hate me? So then they all play really well because they're out of spite for me, but then it's like that makes all the competition yeah. really good. No, you know to, what be, I'm to be clear, anybody like, do who, I need to be the fall guy? I'm fine with that. But to be clear, if anybody is like like for for people who want to talk trash back to Nick or or like um, <laughs> you picked against me and, and they want to have fun with it, I think that's awesome and I, I incite more of that. But if you're actually genuine, and I'm not saying this is the case for anyone, if anybody actually like if Nick does pick against him or I pick against him and you're actually like genuinely mad, then like okay, like just get better, get over yourself, um, just, just get better. But yeah, no, I I think all the contestants when they they kind of talk trash back to us, I, I think they're doing it from a fun, oh, loving, yeah. like joking yeah, spot, which all, I enjoy. Yeah, I enjoy. It's it all tongue in cheek, it. fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. for sure, hundred percent. Um, but also get better. <laughs> well, okay, so we we have uh, the River at region is complete, and okay. we finished the Johnny's Tavern region yesterday. So I had you pick the rest of it. So I'm gonna have yes. you do this as well. Would you like to pick? Okay, so second round matchups. I I like the 16 seed Derek here. He defeated the one seed. Uh, who was that? Ryan. Yeah, he beat Ryan, and I like Derek. I like Derek, the 16th seed, to make the the sizzling 16. This will be the first 16 seed ever in the history of any tournament, ever, in the entire world, the entire history, four billion years of this planet. 16 seeds never made the sizzling 16. That will change when Derek wins uh, against Paul. So I like Derek. Then we have Sam Oliver versus Dalton. Listen, I don't I don't want to go against the guy that works with us, but. I don't know how I can pick Dalton there. Well, it's hard. He missed the really easy. By the way, uh, I should probably mention this now before you keep picking, since both of our matchups didn't make it out of the really easy because it just came to my mind. What's that? What's that? I literally, as we were, like I was just you know shooting the breeze with uh, Dalton while we were waiting to see if Sam was going to show up, and uh, Dalton was telling me you know off air he was like I just I feel more pressured about the the early questions because it's like if you get to the hard round it's it's like you know. Uh, if you lose in the hard round, you just kind of tip your cap to the opponent, right? Sure. Yeah. If, if you miss an easy no, question, that's, that's where the you feel bad. It's true. Um, and I told Dalton, I was like, "Well, the good news is nobody has missed a really easy question this year." Wow. And so now we have two it. today. We have oh, two wow. really oh, easy dude, questions. Why do you? Today. Why do you speak? I know, right? Why do you speak? What was the other? You always get mad that? at me for jinxing stuff. You're the one. What You're the one that does it. I think it's both of us. That would be terrible. So wait, if one of us says something and, and the then other you say the opposite. Then what happened? Well, I was thinking, what if we, we both, both say, say the same, same thing? thing? 
then does it cancel the jinx? Right? Two negatives, negative times a negative is a positive. You know? I no, I think that would just make it worse. Okay, it'll just—it's like, yeah, you'll be like, oh, of course they're going to win this game. Not only do they lose the game, they just get blown out. Yeah, and every player gets just, injured on the team. Yes, exactly. Okay. No, um, I think I think the other way it would be one of us should be one. Of, we should, in order to determine the jinx, which one is the actual jinx, we just go back and forth on flip flopping <laughs> one or the other, and whoever is the actual jinx will be revealed. Okay, I like that. Uh, so anyway, okay, uh, let continue me continue. Yeah. Okay, so I, I sorry, Dalton, I'm not picking you. I'm going with Sam. And then, uh, so Zach just won. I gotta go with Isaac though. Isaac earned my respect. He's he's <laughs> he's, he's earned my respect. He's gonna make a run, I think. And then listen, Justin, the 15 seed. Uh, I guess Short didn't show up, right? So he just no. got to advance for free. But Jared, who is a good friend of mine, he only got to the easy round in his win. So we that's I think that to me is the matchup where we don't necessarily we know the least, know the most. Yeah, we know the least about yeah. I got to go with my friend Jared, though. I'm going to pick Jared. Okay. Because I want to see Jared go up against Isaac. Once again, our trivia title sponsors are Johnny's Tavern, Pella Windows and Doors, 23rd Street Brewery, and River Rat Print and Skate. Next trivia question, what Windows and Doors provider has been serving Kansas since 1957? The answer, your locally owned Pella Windows and Doors of Kansas with six showrooms across the state from Lawrence to Dodge City. Got a Windows or Doors project? Pella Kansas is here, locally owned and proudly serving Jayhawks for over 65 years with Windows and Doors solutions for every home and any budget. Schedule your free consultation at Pella Kansas. That's PellaKS.com. All right. How would you rate uh, the first round just in total? Because we're almost done with the first round. How would you just like on rate an entertainment it? level? Just like, I guess? In gen- yeah, just like in general. Competition I guess. level. Competition, okay. entertainment. How do you think? Give me the, give me the overview of the first round. In your yeah, opinion, it, it's hard to ask that after today, where neither one went past the. That's really true. Easy. Yeah. So that in hindsight, yes. In, like in the short term. Yeah. So after today, I'm tempted to give it like a B minus. <laughs> but if you would have asked me after the day where we had, what was that Friday, where we had like yeah. three go to the hard or really hard or something, yeah. um, then I would have said like an A. So I guess I'll split the difference. I'll say uh, we have like a, a B, B plus. Yeah, because we've had a lot of upsets. We've had a lot we of had three no shows. So yeah, I can't give it an A. True. Yeah, that's true. We had three no shows, but we had a lot of upsets. Mm-hmm. And a lot of upsets by first-year contestants, which I think is great, right? Getting fresh fresh people into the tournament that are performing well, that's really exciting. Yeah. So that that makes it exciting. That makes it entertaining. We have had some great matchups that have gone to hard, really hard matchups. I think we've had some matchups that could have easily been Sizzlin' 16 grade 8 matchups. Agreed. Right? For sure. So overall, yeah, there's been there's been some, some definite highs, some lows also. Today was kind of a low, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but... But, uh, you know, overall, pretty solid first round. But it does get me excited for the second round because I yeah. think we do have a lot of matchups where it's between two guys who had really competitive first-round matchups, which means they should be more seasoned and more prepared for their second round, which means we should have even more competitive second-round matchups. For sure. Uh, well, hopefully we finish on a high tomorrow. We have two matchups tomorrow. It'll be the three-seed Kyle Martin versus the 14-seed Spencer Pozek, and then the three-seed Andrew Wymore so versus you, the 14 Kristen Martin. Did you intentionally make the two Martins on the same day? Yes, but that had to do with the scheduling thing. So this is actually interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't know if i supposed to bring this up or it matters or whatnot, but uh, Kyle has been overseas. He's been in the oh. like, Netherlands. Oh. So he like is just getting back, I believe, today. Oh, wow. So that's why it's a Friday. Okay, yeah. That, I mean, we've talked about the distractions. We talked about Hunter Dickinson committing today. We talked about, uh, to a couple, like Aaron Mayer and Tyler Feist with just life getting in the way sometimes, not as much time to study. 
that is about as big of a distraction. Dude, flying as twelve hours, right? What? I mean, I, when he, when we do that, I, I don't know what the time change is, but like, what if when we were recording it, he's used to it being like four so, a.m. there? Yeah, the Netherlands, and then is he like, probably hasn't been studying because no, he's been okay. on a vacation. No, I think the Netherlands is like maybe eight or nine hours ahead of us. Okay, so if it's so if we do the recording so in the like early afternoon, it'll be like. It would be like but still. Yeah. Does that mess with you at all? You're still you're you're, you're jet lagged. You're, you're no, time it adjusting. It definitely could. So that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that'll do it for trivia today. Two hours down, one to go. More Hunter Dickinson talk next. Uh, also, want to get into Kyle Cuff transferring out and uh, a statement released on Ontario Morris. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We still need to get to Kyle Cuff transferring out. Self made a statement on Artario Morris. We'll do that in our next segment. But the news of the day: Hunter Dickinson, the top transfer portal option, the top just player option in general that is available, has made his decision. He will be attending the University of Kansas next season. Huge news! Huge news! Literally, literally, and metaphorically, huge. Seven foot one man, massive. Yeah. Large. Large man news. Um, Significant. <laughs> did the Boom Boom Room get it done? That's what people Could are have. asking. Could have been. Could have been. Could have been. Did you see that uh, story? I think it was the Kentucky Sports guys. They did a story on the Boom Boom Room. They like no, wrote a story. They were that. like, what is the Boom Boom Room? <laughs> because listen, it's easy if you're in like if you're in Lawrence, if you went to KU, if you, you know, around everyone knows the Boom Boom Room, right? It is it is enshrined mm-hmm. in Lawrence cultural lore, basically. The Boom Boom Room. Where boys become men, where, <laughs> where, where you know it's no holds barred, free for all. You get in there, what happens in the boom room stays in the boom room. Okay, people know that around here. Okay, people understand what it is. But sometimes it's easy to just live in your own bubble and forget that in the greater grand scheme of things, not everyone knows about the power of the boom boom room, about what what the boom boom room represents, what, what it means. What if that one comment from Hunter Dickinson about the boom boom room sparks Kansas being the best recruiting team like of all time the next 10 years where every recruit is like, oh, I heard about this boom boom room, and then you have the Kentucky people, like you said, talking about it, and now more people are talking about it yes. to where it increases the chance that a kid would want to visit where they're like, I got to check this out, and then once you get them to visit, it's easier to get them to commit. I would say if a kid <laughs> is wanting to visit because of the boom boom room, he might not be a kid you want to have on your team. <laughs> Very just, fair. Very I'll just fair. leave it at that. I mean, if that's the reason he wants to visit, like like Rajon Tucker, who we've already talked about. Yes. If that's the reason he wants to come visit, and then not because of Allen Fieldhouse, because of Bill Self, because of KU mm. basketball, then maybe he's not the right fit. Should we do some Boom Boom Room related trivia questions? Like, Hunter Dickinson just committed to KU. One of the things he mentioned in the visit on his podcast was what room? What famous country music singer <laughs> went to the, uh, or I guess not country music singer anymore, but what famous singer hmm. famously went to the Hawk? Taylor Swift. And then uh, we could do. What, what KU player had a famous lived in the Hawk for 24 hours but then didn't commit? Uh, picture taken with him in mm. the boom room. One Nadir Tharp. Mm hmm. Was that no? I thought that was at the the New Year Tharp was at like the Campanile. I want to say. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure that was at the Campanile. I don't think that's true, dude. I remember there was one. Uh, this was when I was in school. It was after it was 2016. Kansas had beaten um, UConn in the second round, and they advanced to the Sweet 16. Okay. And so I think it was a Sunday game when they did that. So the, the players get back, and it was like that. I think Tuesday night or something like that. 
before they had left for their next destination, Monday yeah. or Tuesday night. Uh, maybe may have even been Sunday night. I don't know. Um, and there was a picture of like Wayne Selden, like at the Hawk, that some ESPN reporter um, turned into tried to turn into this big deal about like, can you believe this? Like, why is he not getting ready for the game? And it's like, dude, like. He has he, he's allowed to have time off and, and like go celebrate a that win. That was so stupid. That go was celebrate so stupid. a win. Uh, but anyway, uh, enough of the enough of the. Right, have we have Hunter we Dickinson. filled have we filled our boom 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 <laughs> talk quota for the show? Should that be? I'm trying to think. Should we just call Hunter Dickinson boom boom? He's a big dude. Boom boom yeah. I I know when I think of I, is it uh the Flintstones where there's the character boom boom. No, but it's that's a little a, kid. No, I I don't think their name is boom boom. I think it is. I think they no, just I think say boom, a, boom. No, I think no, it's Bam Bam. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's yeah, not Bam Bam. Bam. <laughs> it's not Boom Boom. But you're right. You're right. It's Bam Bam. Um, Bam Bam. Bam Bam Rubble. Um, but like, okay, if you think Bam Bam's a little kid, and Hunter Dickinson's not a little kid, <laughs> but he's like, it could be this, like an irony thing. He's though. like this destructive force. He has the bat, and he just like knocks stuff. That's why he says yeah. Bam Bam, right? Yeah. So not Boom Boom. We we go off of that with Hunter Dickinson and call him Boom Boom, <laughs> for the with the Boom Boom room mixed in. No. Yes. No. I right. I. I have a hard time thinking that that's going to stick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always supports you. Listen, <laughs> okay. I support whatever you want to do. I don't know that's going to stick, though. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as far as the scholarships, KU still has one available, so you can still add someone to go around him. Yeah. Everybody seems to be talking about McKenzie and Baco, but as far as what he brings to the table, I think immediately he comes in. You expect him to lead the team in scoring. You expect him to lead a team in rebounding. I almost expect him to be maybe second or third, eh, third probably on the team in like assists per game. Dewan probably number one. I guess the other combo guard number two. He'll probably get two and a half assists per game uh, in this offense, and. I think you could realistically say, like, he might be the Big 12 preseason player of the year. He might even be. I, I wonder if there's updated odds. No, probably not. Like it's national, too early. National yeah, for national player of the year because they, they don't know who's coming back and everything. But, like, he'll be one of the yeah. top three he'll, favorites. Yeah, right? he'll for sure be top five. You know, I mean, if, if, if the rumors are true that Oscar's coming back, he'd probably be up there. Plus, Dickinson would probably be up there as well. Uh, but, yeah, he comes in and, yeah, I mean, would it be that crazy that he gets preseason Big 12 player of the year? No, no, no. Be that crazy? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, listen. I mean, normally those awards are for guys that you know are coming back and you expect to be good, but he's coming back, just coming back from a different school, <laughs> right? So it's like, okay, yeah. But yeah, I don't think that'd be crazy at all. I mean, he's definitely. We've talked about it. I mean, he is first team All American level talent, no question about it. And especially when you combine that with being in an offense with Bill Self, who is most certainly going to make it a priority make it an emphasis to get him the ball early and often in the shot clock on offense. I mean, he has a chance to be that level of player because of his volume and because of his skill. And on top of that, he's going to be the guy that touches the ball the most besides Dewan Harris, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to be getting the ball the second most behind Dewan Harris. He's yeah. going to have the ball in his hands. We'll have the most shots, that's for sure. But yeah, Dewan will, like you said, like have it the most... And we talked earlier in the show, too, about the Bark Torvik rankings, that it puts Kansas, it put them from number nine all the way to number one, and they're number one on offense. I, I think I said tied third or fourth on defense. They, they are officially fourth, so maybe by like a percentage point, because they're both 90.2 with them in the third place team, but they're fourth. So I just just for the fun of it, I just went and added McKenzie and Baco. They stay the number one team, obviously. <laughs> but instead of being the number one offense, which they are now, they're the number one offense by .2, by two-tenths. They would jump up to being the number one offense by 1.3, which would be the same divide from the number two offense to the number five offense, just between one to two. And defensively, 
they would go up from being the fourth-ranked defense to the third-ranked defense. So, I mean, I don't know how much all that will end up happening or anything because it's yeah. pretty rare you see teams like top three or even top five in both. But, like, if you are, it is a very short list of teams who have done that, and those are absolute juggernauts. Like, the teams yeah. that come to mind for me that have been able to do that, at least I know that's Bark Torvik, not Ken Palm, but in the Ken Palm era, like, you're, you're talking about 08 Kansas. They were number two on offense, number one on defense. Uh, 2019 Virginia was number two on offense, number five on defense. Like, it is a very rare classified number of teams that have been able to been top five on both. And a lot of times those teams end up winning the national title because they are just like that good. It is really hard to be that elite at both ends of the court. Like even, even the, uh, gosh, what was it? The, I, I guess, okay, here's another one. 2016 Villanova. They were fifth on defense, third on offense. Even the Kentucky team was right around there that went undefeated until the Final Four. They were sixth on offense, first on defense, but they were probably top five on both till they lost. I mean, if you're top five in both, you're not only going to be a like one of the best teams in college basketball that year, you are going to be a historically like great for the decade team. Yes, and you're going to be, obviously, because of that, in great position to make a run for the national championship, which is exactly what Kansas wants to do. That's exactly their goal, right? So... I, I don't know. We can get in, we can get into more of this. Obviously, we have plenty of time now over the offseason, but like, that's a lot of pressure, right? Can is, is does that pressure you think factor into it at all? Of like, hey man, what if things don't work out, or what if it gets off to a shaky start, or what if there is maybe some questions about the chemistry? I, I, I don't know. Does does that add more to it? You think if if people if you're going into the season as people already describing you as a historically great team, and you've got some guys that have not played together before, their first time playing together. Is it just going to click instantly? Does the light bulb just go on instantly? Um, Okay, that's a very interesting question. As far as the pressure part of it, I'll answer that first. The pressure part of it, I don't. I, I think at a different school it might, but like Kansas is all, they're, yeah, they're under the pressure. Anyway, right? yeah, the, the pressure's there every year. Yeah, the pressure's there every year. Now, if this was a school that like, um, I don't know, maybe like, like Creighton last year, right? Creighton went from me in a second round team to all of a sudden they have like top five expectations. Maybe that wore on them a bit at the beginning of the season. They yeah. ended up coming around at the end, but like yeah. they, they lost too. like double digit games. And of course, yeah, that, yeah. that mattered too. Yeah. I, I think I, I think Kansas has those expectations anyway. I do think that is a very interesting question in terms of when you look at the best Bill Self teams, they've been teams that have been experienced and have been through it in the Bill Self system, right? And so you think back, like, I'm thinking back to the 2018-19 team. I think this one probably has more talent than that team. But, heck, I remember going into that 18-19 season, and people were putting that as the number one or number two team in the country because of the collection of talent. But it was a lot of new players. You had Devon Dotson and Quentin Grimes, who were freshmen. You had, like, David McCormick as a freshman. You had Diedrich and KJ Lawson, who hadn't played. They had sat out a year, but they hadn't played at KU. A lot of new moving pieces, and, and it just never fully gelled. And, yes, Yudoka got injured that year, and, and that certainly impacted things. But that is going to be the big question for me. They have all the talent in the world. It's can you put the the locker room chemistry together and can you have everything mesh in a short period of time? Because even though Hunter Dickinson is an experienced college player, he's not experienced with the Bill Self system. And sometimes that does take time. So yes. it wouldn't shock you if maybe they got off to a little bit of a slower start than you expected this year. But then by the time you hit February, March, they had everything clicking. Yes, which honestly... Isn't that what kind of happens anyways, where sure. Kansas normally has a time where they're maybe a bit in a lull, and then you get that late January, early February Bill Self magic, and boom, you're right where you need to be. Yeah, I think so. 
So uh, big get, KU gets Hunter Dickinson. Of course, we talked more about this in the open. You can check it out if you missed it in the best of RCST podcast. But KU went all in on their number one guy, and they were they able got to him. get him. Spring him. Bill. Spring Bill strikes again. Different. All right, let's Bill talk Diffie. about uh, Kyle Cuff transferring out of the program. Also, a statement was released on Artario Morris. We'll get to that next. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We've talked plenty today about uh, Hunter Dickinson joining the program, transferring in. We'll talk plenty more about it tomorrow, too. Um, but I did want to get to some other news because uh, this is pretty big. Kyle Cuff is yeah, transferring I mean, is, out of the program. This is pretty pertinent news, I would say, with the Hunter Dickinson commitment, right? I mean, I don't, I don't want to say they go hand in hand, but they kind of do. Yeah, and so KU had one scholarship open before they got Dickinson, then they'd be full up. Although, actually, well, they had two because the Cuff news came before the, the Dickinson news. But just hypothetically, Dickinson was going to be your last scholarship. Now yes. that Cuff leaves, it opens up one more scholarship, which is pertinent because that means Dickinson is not it. It's not yes. your last piece of the puzzle here. Correct, yes. You're still looking at some other guys, most notably Mbako is the biggest name out there right now. Yeah, this is this is some interesting news. You know, this I feel like these discussions have been ongoing probably for ever since the season ended with with Kyle Cuff, right? Where uh, on one hand, I I do feel bad, right? I mean, he comes in redshirts his first year. Last year, I think we talked about it, at, you know, towards the end of the season after the season ended, where last year, if Kyle Cuff doesn't get hurt, he probably gets a chance to show a little bit more, right? Because of the fact that Joe and Bobby never really got to the level that. KU, I think, hope they would have. Like, there's a, there's probably a high chance that Cuff would have gotten a chance to demonstrate a little bit more. Uh, but the injury obviously hurt him there, and then that just kind of set him back even further. And then with Kansas bringing in Arturo Morris and Nick Timberlake, like plus El Marco Jackson, like the this the spot for Kyle Cuff on the roster was going to be one of probably not getting very much time to play. Right, and and you know, listen, I can I understand it can be a very tough decision. I mean, Kansas is a great place. It's a winning program. It's a winning culture. One of, one of the best coaches of all time uh, in terms of just facilities, in terms of Alan Filos, in terms of everything. Like, it can be tough to walk away from that. But, the, you know, when you look at some of the guys that have left KU, what it comes down to ultimately is if you want to be able to continue to improve upon yourself on the court, if you want to continue to be, become a better player, if you want to achieve, you know, your higher goals of, of playing more, that might not happen at Kansas, right? And so that's why you've seen some of these guys heading out. Is you know, and listen, I I don't envy any of these guys for making these decisions. Whether it was Kyle Cuff, whether it was Zach Clements, whether it was Joey Esu, any of these guys, right? I mean, I'm sure all of them came to Kansas dreaming of being the guy, dreaming of making an impact for KU, and it just it just doesn't always work out that way, right? And in the and in this era, even more of the transfer portal, that's just how it's going to be. Sometimes you're just going to have some guys. That are going to come in, and it's just it just won't work for one reason or another. Whether it's on the court fit, whether it's injuries, whether it's you know whatever it might be, it just might not work, right? And that doesn't mean that those guys aren't talented players. It doesn't mean that those guys can't go and make, have an impact in other programs. But for KU, uh, I think I go back to what Bill Self says. You know, faces change, expectations don't. Right? Bill Self is in the mindset of every year we got to make sure we're putting together one of the top programs in the country. And if, you know, sometimes that means that some guys might get left behind just because of injuries or if they they don't develop, you know, the way that maybe KU hoped they would. And But, again, that doesn't mean they aren't great players and great men and that they can't go on other programs and be successful, and that's what I hope the most for for Kyle Cuff because, you know, based on how much we've heard about kind of the back and forth, the discussions with this, this was definitely a difficult decision for him, right? And so 
from that standpoint, I just hope he hope he finds a good spot where he can where he can maybe demonstrate his on the court skills and and uh, and show what what he can do. College basketball has become a cutthroat business. Um, with the added freedom that players have been given to leave programs and have the one-time transfer rule and, and go to new destinations, the flip of the coin of that has been that coaches are almost given more power now to, if you're not up to snuff, they're going to recruit over you and over you and over you. And because of that, it is becoming more of that kind of cutthroat where this tends to happen more. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird spot to be in because... I don't know. It, it sucks on one level, but you understand it from the other level. Like this yeah. is a big money business. This is KU basketball. This is not, you know, some AAU team or, or some like rec basketball team that you're putting together, right? So from that standpoint, you understand it. Uh, it sucks to me. Like, and, and this is not something I'm going to celebrate. Obviously, it does give Kansas a load of options with what they can do now with that extra scholarship and can make them a better team next year. Now you can go out and get a McKenzie and Baco. Now you can go out. And, and get you know whatever other player that you feel like can round out your roster. And that can be a good thing for KU. Um, I think, though, the reason that I'm not celebrating this or, you know, because there, there are a lot of KU fans who are like, okay, this is awesome, we have an open scholarship. Yeah. And I'm saying that stuff is true, and that stuff will be helpful for KU. But I'm not going to, like, kind of, but from know. like a personal perspective, I'm not. It sucks. You're not going to celebrate sucks. a guy who right. clearly loves KU. Clearly, I'm not going to spit on the grave yeah. here of Kyle Cuff's time yeah, at yeah, KU. Exactly. Yeah. Cuff liked KU. Yes. He liked Lawrence. He, I think, on the barnstorming tour, he was telling people he's going to come back. He probably wanted to stay at KU. Um, and I think in today's day and age, in the transfer portal, where sometimes we get wrapped up of like, man, this transfer portal is crazy and. Now it's we we have all these teams of mercenaries and yeah. you don't have guys as much who are there because they love the program and you end up with guys who transfer away because um, they want immediate playing time and that immediate gratification, which to be clear with, like I don't have a problem with, but to me it makes you want to celebrate the guys who do want to stick it out and fight it out and try to earn each and every inch they get up the roster even more. And it seemed like Kyle Cuff was that guy. And so I, I think for me, um, like, it, it, okay, realistically, Kyle Cuff was going to be the 11th or 12th guy on the team, right? Yeah. Which means yeah. realistically he wouldn't have been playing a lot. And if he was comfortable being that guy and trying to fight his way and earn his way to more minutes, then that's a respectable thing to do for me. And also you add on the fact of, like, if you're an 11th or 12th guy and you're not playing a ton anyway, don't you want that guy to, to be – someone who loves being at the program, loves being at the university, loves yeah. being around their teammates, that they're not going to be an energy suck, that they're going to be somebody who is celebrating that is going to make the locker a better locker room a better place for your team. Right? Like sometimes you need guys like that yeah. at the end of your roster to keep things in a positive place as a locker room. And so I, I do think that you're going to miss some of that. Well I think what's most tough about this particular situation and other position and other situations is that progression development that stuff is not linear right so like if a guy has a if a guy struggles or has a tough season you know look at a guy like Joe Yesifu the one season and in this era of college basketball like you said you're going to get recruited over you're going to get you're going to get try to get pushed out if you don't if you don't develop exactly on the timeline that maybe you're projected to or exactly how the the coaching staff you're working with wants you to you're probably going to get you're probably going to get pushed to the side, right? Which is which is unfortunate, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's just kind of how it is now. Which 
you know, there are there are some positives and some negatives to it. And I, I do think also it's very, very easy to look at the scholarship numbers, look at, you know, the transfer portal as just X's and O's or just, you know, pieces on a chessboard, right? Well, you know, these are guys that these are guys that have feelings that that, you know, really care about what their program might be or really care about what this, that or the other that that does make it a, a bit tough. And I think it's I think even more so in today's world, it's very easy to dehumanize uh, that aspect of all that's all that's going on, right? And in the in the in the rat race to try to just win games, win titles, everything like that. But what makes some of the most memorable teams for Kansas? Obviously, we're doing RCST trivia right now. What makes some of those memorable teams for Kansas? What what fans most fondly remember typically is those guys that came in, fought their way up. You know, look at a guy like Frank Mason was going to go to Towson. And then he's national player of the year at Kansas, right? Like those are the stories. Those are the players. Yeah, that, the development guys. Like yeah, those are the stories. Those are the players that stick out the most for Kansas. Would fans. Travis Relaford have transferred or been forced out before he got to his point? Landon Lucas, same thing. Like guys who maybe emerged by the time they were later. Those guys might not exist uh, for KU in this day and age. And yeah, I, I guess it's tough for me. Which Again, it's just I kind get, of the reality of it. But it is. I, I get it. it is about you know uh, the talent and competition. And like this, you said, I mean, sports. There's, it's there's not no a question, thing, right? There's no question that that Cuff departing is going to probably make Kansas a better team because they're going to be able to go out and get talent wise, yeah, a higher level talent. Higher but going back player. to the conversation about you have to worry about any factions in the locker room having a guy like this who liked being there and was comfortable maybe being at the end of the bench. That might not have been the worst thing in the world, and it's hard for me too when you see like a kid like this who seems like a very good kid and yeah. loved being here at Kansas. And then you compare it with, like, no, we're we're saying screw that. We're going all in on the Arteria Morris stuff. Like, that is such a dichotomy to me that I'm having trouble wrapping my brain around. Yeah, I think all you can do with the cuff situation is just, you know, wish him the best and root for him wherever he ends up and hope that he continues to blossom as a player and individual and have a, have a nice career. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, well, speaking of Arteria Morris, this is a statement from Bill Self uh, that was given last night. Quote, we are aware of the charge that Arterio is facing in the state of Texas. In addition to working with our athletic department and campus administrators, we have also spoken at length with Arterio, his family, his former institution's University Student Affairs Office, and his former institution's Department of Athletics, Compliance, and Administration offices. Based on these discussions, we are comfortable welcoming Arterio to the University of Kansas, and he is well aware of the high standards and expectations that come with being a member of the Kansas men's basketball program. We fully expect him to meet those daily. So a couple things here. One, this is really discouraging to me if it's only going to be this statement and we're not going to get like a press conference or media availability. That is very discouraging to me. Like Number specifically devoted to this situation. Correct. Yeah. Number two, notice in here the people it talked to, his family, his former institution's student affairs office, who they were just getting information from him, Department of Athletics Compliance, same thing, administration's office, like same thing, did not talk to the police. Now- I, I think you probably I should think we, now talk was to it, the— Was it Kevin or was it uh, Matt Tate that came on and said, you know, hey, there might be limitations to how much they can learn from going to, like, the police or whatnot. So I, I don't sure, know, I don't know if that plays into it. You should at least talk ask. to them. It is yeah, the police, right? At least ask. Now, okay, if you want to say, I, I understand why they wouldn't talk to the other party. Like, should they talk to the other party to get their side of the story? I would probably say yes. You should probably get the full picture of things. Um, but I understand, I guess, a little bit. You should at least talk to the police because they are in the middle part of this. That part doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the fact that this wasn't a press conference doesn't make sense to me. This basically reads off to me. There are going to be some people who read this and go, oh, this is all I need. You know, yeah. I I read off of this as KU basically just saying, just trust us. And I'm sitting there like, well, tell me reason. Did you talk to the police? Did you like those are the reasons why? And I, and I guess I continue to be to the point where it's just like, 
there's just going to be fans who are sitting there going, well, uh, Bill Self knows more on this than than you do, so that's fine with me. I'm going to trust him. I continue to view that as like you're basically putting your faith just to avoid dealing with the guilt of having to root for a guy with this in your own mind. You're putting it on someone else. And do you actually think that Kansas, who just wants to win basketball games, is viewing this as, yeah, we should unearth every detail and that we're going to get the full truth 100% from Artaria Morris and his camp, or are they just going to hear what they want to hear? I don't know. That's, what, what kind that's of disappointed me about this, What kind of disappointed me about this statement was that it was kind of just a cookie-cutter, like, Right, like I mean, you could right. you could switch the name of Arturo Morris and switch the name with Kansas with to fill in the blank with any any situation. Right, it was just kind of a cookie cutter, like oh yeah, this is this is what we did. Ooh. There was nothing really of substance there that makes you right. Doesn't I mean, talk about the concerns. Me, doesn't yeah, talk about the fan whole, base, how they should feel. I don't yeah, know. to me, it's kind of a whole lot, that statement's kind of a whole lot of nothing. And I don't know. I mean, maybe we might maybe there might be a chance to ask him some more questions about it down the road. But I I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I kind of just got nothing out of that. All right, uh, he is Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.